Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Live with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reeves. All this travel and playing and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's The Net Live right now. It is The Net Live right now. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Barnett sitting in the home court along with DJ Roche and Dustin Aval. Dustin, you're about to be in the intro, I think, as of next week. We're booting out Geeter and Reed, and you're coming in because, quite honestly, when was the last time anyone ever remembers hearing from either of the other two individuals? I anyone? asked you about Reed today. Anyone? Hands up? Yeah, right now. Show, I, show handsome. I see Chris on TV quite a bit. Yeah, he has a lot to talk about on Time Warner Cable, where he yeah. discusses the Lakers and Kobe Bryant's Achilles. I think last time Geter was here when he got his uh, bonus check, and we haven't seen him since. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, honestly. That is an excellent point. I don't and know. he deserved the bonus check, I'm just well, saying. That's pre-earned money. That's not post-earned money, right? Bonus money is what you earn, and then you get the, the paycheck. Correct, yeah. So once he earned it, in he arrears. felt like he'd made it. In yeah. arrears, thank yeah. you. Yeah, and then he moved on. Yeah. Well, we're going to hope to earn a bonus check with this show here today, the Net Live on Tax Day, ladies and gentlemen. So hopefully you have written your taxes, cried yourself to sleep last Gosh. night, and uh, are ready for, to move on. To still move hurts. On. What still makes hurts. people wait until today, today. Yeah. to do their taxes? Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't wait till today. I actually filed two extensions last year and paid in like October last year. <laughs> so that good happens. Good times. I've done two taxes inside of six months. Sucks. ABCA Coaches Corner, we have uh, a guest on, Brian Wynn, a local operator of a fitness facility and also a guy who worked with the Jacksonville Jaguars, worked with the L.A. Avengers, and worked with UCLA Volleyball back several years ago. Uh, We're going to talk to him about some training techniques and how fitness has evolved and the notion of what you need to be doing to be a casual athlete, to be an elite athlete, to be a collegiate athlete, how that has evolved in the last 10 years should be a very interesting discussion. ABCA College Volleyball Weekly, of course, playoffs. Playoffs! Starting this week, we will have our guys Mike and Jay on to discuss that, and we'll also detail the Off the Block Bracket Challenge. You two can pick your own NCAA men's bracket. A lot easier, a lot smaller commitment than a men's basketball yeah, bracket. I would say. You might even know the names of all the teams and where they're from. Are you, you going to pick the even the conference brackets, too? Because then you're talking, what, 832 or so, right? give you a little more to do. Yeah. Yeah, give you a little more to do. And Ryan Doherty is going to come on the show. The Avatar. Not the, just Avatar. Oh, Avatar. Yep. Not the, he doesn't like just the. Avatar. Just Avatar. Not right. the NetLive. Just, no, it is the NetLive. The award-winning. Correct. The NetLive. But it's not the Avatar. Show. The award-winning V NetLive. Exactly. No, that doesn't work either. The award-winning NetLive. 
the award-winning TNL. Award-winning TNL. Internet Live. Yeah. There you go, TNL. Yeah. And there's our award right there. Yep. So Ryan Darty will be on the show today, and he will talk about some of the big news. That we're going to go over. So this is the part what, of the show where I what, simply what turn it I don't over. Know what you're talking about? Yeah, I turn it over to Jeremy. We're going to get right into it and let him go because. I mean the, the Masters. Was, the Masters was this weekend. The Lakers. Are you trying to? The Lakers have a magic number of delay. one. It's called a tease. Kevin's called a tease. The, the Lakers have a magic number of one, meaning if the Utah Jazz lose tonight or the Lakers beat Houston then the Lakers are in the playoffs. The Lakers can still be the six or seven seed, I think. If a lot of stuff has to happen. Theoretically. But yeah, theoretically still still able to happen. You could also have to wear my Blake Griffin jersey. Could happen. Or you have to wear Trevor Ariza, which is the only Lakers jersey I have. The question is, how big... <laughs> haven't invested lately. No. How big is your Trevor Ariza jersey going to be on me, and how small is my yeah. Blake Griffin jersey going to be on you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to see. Can I say something about golf? About yes. your favorite Let's talk sport? about golf. Yeah. It is stupid. <laughs> Go no on. fan Go on. should be able to call in and say, hey, rule guys, you yeah. missed one, yeah. and then they go back and penalize a player. Yeah. Just saying. That's the way it is. But it's stupid. I mean, I think it's worse off. It, it's a statement on that guy that's sitting on his couch like I did yesterday for four hours and texts in somebody and goes, hey, just notice. Hey, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a part of this so bad. Tiger dropped that differently. Yeah. Not only does it make that guy a douche. It makes the rules people douches. Yeah. Because then they listened to him and well, went back and looked well, at him. Well, I mean, I tweeted at the NBA when LeBron got the technical on hitting Carlos Boozer when the streak got broken back a couple of weeks ago and yep. told him that wasn't a technical foul. Oh, they should have listened. Did they take it away from him? Yeah. Did they take it away from <laughs> him? They should have. They should have. I mean, how, I, I got on you, Twitter. How what? do you get to the rules committee? Yeah. How can how, you call in? How do you text to, that guy? Yeah. yeah. What number do you have? Yeah. yeah. Who's in your Rolodex? Golf 100 stupid. PGA. Stupid. I yeah. would never watch again. It's a great tournament, though. I never watched before, so now excuse yeah. me. The I'm Masters. Sure, I'm sure it was awesome. You know, the Masters is unreal. I don't think there's another sporting event that's that long that I will sit couchbound and watch the entire thing. But hold Sunday on. How, the Masters. How about Tiger also getting a two-stroke penalty rather than being disqualified? Yeah, which I understood. That. Shouldn't he have been disqualified? No. No. I mean, there was a lot of talking heads. They're bending the rule to keep no, Tiger no, no. in it? No, no, no. No, there they're was, not. There was a new rule that came out last year, okay. 2012, and it basically says that if a player um, is not informed at the time of signing an incorrect scorecard, then it's the tournament decision whether to keep him in or out. So, so what happened was he really incriminated himself because the guy yeah. texted in, they looked at the, at the play and go, no, the drop looks fine. And then he's doing an interview with Tom Rinaldi on ESPN after his round and said, yeah, so I took a drop. I went two yards back because I had a better line from there, a better shot or whatever. And then I took two yards off my, my swing and um, put, it, put it up close, right? And so then the rules committee was like, wait a second. You either dropped it as close to the possible lie or you stepped back two yards. So if you step back two yards, it's a two-stroke penalty. This was all on Saturday morning. He had already signed the Friday afternoon scorecard at that time. There was nothing wrong with it. So in previous years, before this rule came out last year, then, yeah, he would have been disqualified even though when he signed it, it was the correct scorecard. Okay. I actually like that because when, yeah. when they disqualified guys a couple of years ago for signing an incorrect scorecard and some uh, somebody else had yep. helped us, something had happened and they disqualified Probably somebody the called in. Probably somebody texted somebody. Yeah. That, that's the stupidest thing ever. Golf has some really arcane, dumb rules. That's why I didn't watch before. Now it's extra reason not to watch. Golf is yeah. stupid. If a fan can call in and penalize a player. It was yeah, amazing. It, is it was amazing, though. Adam Scott, first Australian to win. Yeah, great. Awesome. Great. Happy for you. Yeah. So, 
Okay, now my next comment I want to make after golf sucks, and I've been saying this privately for a while now, and I'm going to say it publicly now, beach volleyball yeah. in the United States, yeah. professional beach volleyball, is dead. Well, women's we uh, are in college bowling was on. Yes. So, we are so in, women's college bowling, not dead. Not yes. dead. To recap. Beach volleyball, dead. We are in the death rattle. I don't care what anybody says. This is the death rattle of beach volleyball. Sorry, everybody. This is the, it's the, it's the truth. What do you mean? I mean, there'll never be a beach volleyball tour. will be around in five years. Just, it'll just be gone. gone. It'll just be a gone. It'll be a recreational yep. like. Yep. Hmm. Nobody will be able to make a living back, at pro beach volleyball in five years. Back to where it was in the mid seventies. Correct. Sorry. Still next, have tournaments. Next up, CBVA. Like CBVA yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But that's again pro beach volleyball where people can make a living at What it. has pushed you to this final moment of saying it? What happened this last week that pushed you to that? Oh, oh, something happened this past week, Kevin? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, the ABP announced their schedule. Actually, Kerry Walsh announced their first date on the Today Show. The date, but not the location. Correct. Right. She announced the date, not Inadvertently the location. Inadvertently, not the location. I didn't see the interview. Was it... With Carrie, it, it's about Carrie. It's not yeah, a, no, no, no. I get it's not it, but about like volleyball. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like, it's Carrie she... Casey on the couch with the kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah I saw. So she was announcing we have a new baby scout. No, the baby Very... was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very crying, happy. apparently. Yeah, yeah. The baby was she perfect. Was I heard the baby was perfect until the interview. Yeah. Um, congratulations to them, by the way. Their third child, yep. first girl scout. Happy for them. Um, Atticus Finch. Yes, it's her favorite book, apparently. Yeah, read that. Awesome. Yeah. Um. I'm so angry. I don't even know where I left off. So she announced. She announced at the end, towards the end of the interview. She's like, "Yeah, I'm really excited to come back. The AVP is having their first event August 17th. Yes, which and then happens to be the same date as the NVLs and then it, a beach event. It all proverbially hit the fan. Yes, correct. Yeah, and it's been on like Donkey Kong yeah, the past week, so, basically. Yeah. Um, yes, their first event is in Salt Lake City, which is an interesting choice. I thought. Yes. Have you ever been to Strange. Utah ever, for volleyball? I mean, you did the obviously the Pro Beach Tour for years and years. I've never been to Utah for volleyball. Yeah. I've been to Utah, been to Salt Lake City, been, been to Provo, have family that went to BYU. I've been to Utah for volleyball for... Indoor. Yeah, for the University of Utah. How was that? I mean, I played it. Lightly attended. I, I played it. Good a, program there. Best Provo. BYU is always highly attended from well, a yeah. volleyball perspective. Yeah. And look, as Ryan Doherty said, you know, Team LDS will be there. Yeah. Casey Patterson and Jacob. I'll be there in two weeks on the campus of the University of Utah at Rice Eccles Stadium. We Supercross. Be, we ooh, drank. <laughs> we be promoting the speaking ADP of Supercross. People show up. Uh, of Supercross? They have not spoken to me about promoting the uh, event okay. while I'm in town. Okay. I was watching, so I'm getting ready to watch the Masters on Sunday. It's on yeah. CBS. Supercross was on first. Supercross was on first, and guess who I did not hear announcing? Kevin. Kevin Burnett. I told you I'm on the B team, buddy. I feel like this whole Supercross thing it's is just, just a ruse. Like smoke and mirrors. Kevin gets all dressed <laughs> up, goes to every motocross event nationwide, yep. maybe brings one of our headsets that's not plugged into anything and announces <laughs> to himself, and just kind of pretends. Because... I find a spot in the stands with my headset. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, Oh, sweet drop in on that turn, like whatever. Drop whatever in on that turn. I don't know. You're gonna work on that, but I really don't know. <laughs> Kevin just tells his wife he's going out of town yeah. just because he wants to get across. Yeah. yeah, sorry, bro. I try and get the Monster Energy girls to talk to me. Yes, sit in the stands with my headset and a pad of paper, so I look like uh, Bartman. Yeah, no, we're on live. Cubs. We're on live, actually. Can you? Can I talk to you real fast? <laughs> <laughs> um, somebody on the message board asked what Carrie's connection was the, the Today Show. NBC loves Carrie Walsh. Yeah, it's just because she's, she's a three-time three, Olympian. Yeah, so golden girl. That's why she was on. She wasn't on to announce the tour. She is not on as a beach volleyball athlete. Correct. She's on as an Olympic athlete. Um, 
So there's I wrote I wrote down a lot of notes. She's a person of interest. Yeah. I wrote down a lot of notes this last week. From you were road. fired up, and you got here at like 8.30 this morning. I went to the gym before the show. Like, I have a lot to say. Here, pump on. Yeah. Um, there's three things I want to point out. One, like I said, beach volleyball. We're in the death rattle stage of pro beach volleyball in the United States. So to to get back on track, Kerry announced it was uh, the 17th. Correct. Or the weekend of the 17th. Correct. And she didn't at the time say Salt Lake City. The Correct. ADP later... Announced everything. She inadvertently did not say that. They right. later announced it and then said, we'll post the rest of our schedule on yes. Friday. And the immediate conflict was brought up was that the NVL has, had, a, beach event. has had a, a schedule since, I believe, we announced it. It was like January or A while February. back, yeah. Uh, the, the Hermosa, exactly. The Hermosa Beach tournament is that same weekend. Please go on. And behind the scenes, I told you that when the rest of their schedule comes out, there will be more conflicts. You did? You did. I did call that. Yeah. Um, Three things I want to put. Where? What's the new? Why do we keep saying the AVP's back? This is the third year it's had an event since 2010. Why do we keep saying it's back? It's not back. Well, we don't keep saying it. People in general. That's what I'm saying. I'm curious. Like, what does that actually mean that it's back? It was. It had events last year. It had one event the year before. Why do we keep saying it's back? Because there's five. But yeah, does, on does, the schedule. Does the, one, does the one event the year before even count? I know Josh Glazebrook. No, they did it. They very did it hard on it to sell it, and it got right. sold. Right. But that's why like, I'm confused about what the actual term means, it's back. It's because, and I told you this, that when it, when it came out, that the AVP still, and you know this from, from when you've worked on the other tours, is that to the general public, to the casual fan, AVP still is synonymous with beach volleyball. 100%. They don't know the difference between the tours. Yep, so the true. AVP being back, to me, is just the, the casual fan thinking beach volleyball, right? Because there was a, a, a tour... I guess we're, what, five years ago now is, is the best we can <laughs> refer to, mm-hmm. and that was the AVP. So now having five tournaments is, yes, they're back again. And I will say this, that friends and family of mine who aren't, like, they don't follow beach volleyball, but they know that I've DJed volleyball events, yeah. called me, text me, emailed right. me, oh, are you doing the AVP this year? Yeah, you go to AVP. People yeah. have told me if they go to AVP.com, I can't find the event. Well, because it's not an AVP event. Correct. Yeah. Um, Sam Smith has 92 AVP wins. So if I'm doing the math correctly there, it will take, uh, if you win all five, it will take you just over 18 years to do so. Yeah, but since you have more, some of those, other, wins, yeah, some of those wins. Well, Karch has 144 open wins. Right. How That's going to take you about a lifetime. It's going to yeah. take you a while. A couple people lifetime. Um, if the AVP is back, where are the sponsors? If the sport is back, mm-hmm. where are all the sponsors? Mm-hmm. We won't know until they get there. I mean, we can only go by their website, right? Which says Wilson. And and nothing else. And also, my final point I want to point out, and if anybody is curious what my credentials are to talk about beach volleyball like this, just let me know. I'll give you my credentials. I've, what are your credentials? Well, I've been DJing the sport for 10 years. I've been DJing live events for 15 years. Nine of those being the Clippers, all live events, so I know what goes into it behind the scenes and what makes it successful. And so if you have any other questions or don't think that I can talk about the sport like this, let me know. Prize money, not detailed. Correct. Tournament format, not detailed, although we've seen some people saying that they heard Correct. on uh, Old School Volleyball there on Facebook. But five events, undetermined prize money, one sponsor, according to the website, because if you had more sponsors, they'd be all over your website – you have Wilson, and other than that, Donald putting money in. Personal money. Has to be, right? Well, this is what we keep getting back to. Wilson can't be giving enough money to run five of it. Is the, is the business model, right? Is the, who? Yeah, until that's changed. 
if if the business models change and if the sport was healthy, IMG would be running events. IMG lost their shirt year number one. We heard so from James Lights on this program. He was told he could not spend that amount of money in year two, which was this past summer, 2012. We went through that year. How many now, events did they have last year? Four? Six. They had six last year? Six events. Wow. Seven with, uh, with, Milwaukee. with Milwaukee. So this year, nothing. Zero. Manhattan Beach. Well, Allegedly. Because they're contractually obligated, not because it necessarily makes sense, right? And we're going to come back to that. Yeah. Manhattan Beach. Too. We have to. I have a qu- I have comment I want to make on that. So, yeah, I mean, it, we've said for a long time that if IMG can't figure it out, nobody else can figure it out. They're a pretty smart sports marketing agency with a lot of resources. And this is no disrespect to anyone else that's trying, Albie, Donald, anyone else who's out there trying to put together a tour. We appreciate the efforts. But unless you have some different ideas that are far beyond oh, my phone's what IMG that. did, uh, I, I don't see how it's going to work long term. It may work short term. I, mean, I hope that the five events here, which, by the way, for the AVP, are not even in the summer. August qualifies, but September and October, that's not even summertime, except still kind of summer here. But it's not, not the typical place for beach volleyball. And let me say this, too. I want the sport to survive. I like beach volleyball, regardless whether I'm getting paid to be a part of it or not. I want the sport to thrive. I, it's, it's an amazing sport. I love all the players. I'm just, I don't see how it's changing and how the benefit of doing the same thing over and over and over again is going to help the sport. In 2000, hold on, I wrote this down. In 2008, after Kerry Misty won their second gold medal in a row, mm-hmm. um, Phil and Todd won their first. Men's indoor They're team. Yes. Yeah. Men's indoor team won a gold, mm-hmm. and the women won silver. After that year, the AVP would have gone under if Nick Lewin didn't come in. They didn't have money. Right, directly after the Olympics, directly it would, after have the Olympics gone under. would have gone under. Right. When and you then, could say that American volleyball as a sport overall was at a high. Yes. You you could, more how much higher, how much higher right. could it have gotten? Right. In 2010, it went under. Mid-season. It, mid-season. And now, after Kerry Misty won their third in a row, Jen and April won a silver. Mm-hmm. Women's team got the silver, right, mm-hmm. this past Olympics? Yes. We're exactly back where we were again. The only reason there is going to be AVP events is because Donald is putting in his own money. Where are all the sponsors after all the hype from the Olympics? Yeah. If that, if if we're so healthy, if the sport is so amazing, where is all that stuff? And nobody's addressing these questions, so that's why I'm bringing them up now because I want somebody to answer them for me. Where are the non-endemic sponsors? Yeah. Who's bringing in the Geico's, the AT&T Collect, the Outdoor Products, the Crocs, Sunkist, Toyota, Nissan? Who? Where are those sponsors? What is the value, and how is the sport really showing its value to those larger marketers in the world? Well, it's not. I mean, right? the NVL, supposedly the That Hermosa Beach Tournament is sponsored by Australian Gold sunscreen a little bit i mean it's it's at on least, it's on brand but it's at least yeah. yeah but it's across it's an yeah it's a little bit it's a little bit semi-endemic yeah a little bit that. but we'll, also we'll invent a new category for that semi-endemic <laughs> but then i go back to the business model we're doing the same thing yeah. that caused it to fail before you're relying on sponsorship money which in this economy it's not there anymore or you're relying on investors and if you're right. an investor 
and you put money into a tour, how are you going to get that money back? But well, the, you schedule on top of the other tours and kill them off. If you're Donald Trump. But then, but st- where, again, where are you making money though? Where's the money coming from? Long term, I don't know what Donald's plan is for long term sustainability. I presume. He has to do the same thing. We have not yet on this show come up with a new model that we think works for the sport to attain the previous financial level that it has seen. Either take the late 90s or middle 90s, not late, middle 90s or say middle, early 2000s, 2005 or something. And that's where I agree with what Jeremy has said recently, which is we can't try to recreate that model because it's gone. We need a new that model. That time is gone. Yeah, we need a new model. For every sport, that time is gone. And that's. And I wondered, because you asked where the sponsors were, and I know that that's something that you've said, Jeremy has said, uh, it's, it's the same model if you just go with sponsors, right? And earlier to Kevin, I mentioned before the show, the ASP, the surfing model, right? And the only reason that I equate it to, to surfing is because, number one, the lifestyle that we always talk I am, about. I almost physically assaulted Yeah, you, you almost smacked me in the face. But secondly is is the attendance, right? Because if you ever go to a, a surfing event, more more times than not, you're just walking onto the beach. It's not like motocross drink where you're in a enclosed arena and you're getting gate fees as well. Can I kill off that example right now again sure. for the umpteenth time? But surfing, you're not paying to get there. People that's what I'm paying. saying. Yeah. No, it's it's same as volleyball. That's what I'm saying. Everyone right. wants to say it's the same model. It's not. But go wait, finish. Wait, it's the closest point. that I can think of that's that's yeah. successful. James Lights. Yes. In charge of Jose Cuervo Beach Volleyball. Also in charge of the U.S. Open of Surfing. U.S. Open of Surfing, huge success. Jose Cuervo Beach Volleyball, not in existence in 2013. Yeah. It's the end of your comparison. I mean, and people come to that surfing event not for the surfing, but for the whole concerts, promoters. For the lifestyle? Lifestyle, because because the lifestyle is the clothing that you're wearing. Yeah. The lifestyle is the clothing that that Jeremy has on. The you know, the lifestyle is stuff that I Thank am wearing. No. Why not? No, it's no, it's no, not, it's Kevin. And, Sorry, and I was trying never, to sneak in. No, there. it's not. It's trying, good try. <laughs> they never. I tried, have a pair of board shorts downstairs. They never tried to attach a beach volleyball tournament to that U.S. Open. Did uh, they try that? I don't know. I would assume that had that I, happened. It's, it's one have, thing that you're saying is it's a similar culture. Right, it's a similar lifestyle. My first year on tour, IMG ran, and my memory is a little bit foggy. I think it was either Manhattan or Hermosa Beach, and it was a big thing. They had like a skate park next to the uh, Hermosa. Did the Mervins? Yeah, 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 the Mervins Beach Bash. That was That's my, right. That was my first year on tour, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And then that never ever happened again. Yeah, and remember, remember Mervins? Yeah, yeah, Mervins Beach Bash. The only problem with that is now you have even more entities trying to get dollars and ROI out of the same event. And yeah. is it going to double it? Does right. it make sense for Mervins? Uh, skate bash or whatever to bring in volleyball. What are they gaining? Right. What's volleyball bringing that they don't already have? If you try and put a volleyball tournament in with the U.S. Open of Surf, what does is, the cost what, of the tournament? Yeah. What are they bringing? Bring in additional revenue. What, it's like when we talked about what what is beach volleyball bringing to USA volleyball? They're bringing a bill. They're not bringing added value. They are bringing additional bills, not additional revenue. The only revenue that beach volleyball brings to USA Volleyball is support from the USOC. That's all. They don't bring in any sponsors. They don't bring in any extra television. They don't bring in any extra attention. Nothing. Well, you just mentioned it, and inevitably this, the conversation always goes to TV. And one thing that surfing has done really well is they've kept, they've kept viewing, not on TV, but via the web, because 
you know, nobody's in Indonesia in October or whatever on some remote surf spot, right? Sure. But you're able to watch online for free, really. And and that's something that could be leveraged, I guess. You still have to want to watch. Yeah, I know. But it's free. But what? Well, <laughs> All right. It's free and right. and then so then it becomes the things if you have those sponsors is the is the exposure worth you know where's that This show is free too but we don't have uh 50,000 Tell me about it. I've been talking to people all week <laughs> and I keep asking them where what is Pro Beach Volleyball selling? Yes. They're like, "Oh, they're selling a lifestyle. You're selling these amazing athletes on the beach." It's like, "Okay. How do you monetize that?" Right. You sell volleyballs. It, this is not a new discussion. <laughs> no, I know, but that's why uh, yeah. that's why it's frustrating. That's why I've been frustrated all week long, because I feel like, and I've been holding my tongue a little bit. Like I've never said this is the death rattle in public before of pro beach volleyball, but I honestly feel that way. And the other thing is that with all this drama going on in the sport right now, and I want the fans to really hear this when I say this, nobody, nobody, outside of the beach volleyball world cares. Yeah. What other news outlet has picked this up saying, oh, Kerry Walsh is going to be playing on the beach this year? No other news outlet has said one word yeah. about what's going on in the world of beach volleyball, and it is huge news if you're a beach volleyball fan. And that yeah. piece on NBC was not about – she just wedged the AVP. It was, it was right. about coincidence. Kerry. If Kerry would have had her baby in December or January, there would have been no mention of the AVP at that time. It, right. Yeah, this has been obviously the busiest week in terms of message boards, Facebook – you know, everybody's up in arms that's in the volleyball world, and yet it's not covered at all by any mainstream media. That should tell you a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's also super interesting, and some of the people on the chat board have mentioned it, from a <clears throat> from a developmental uh, perspective, it, it seems like it's a really strong time, you know, with, with collegiate sand, with with the... Olympics with all these things, and yet there's nowhere for that to to go. Kind of, there's there's never been these high school tournaments. You know, I'm reading in the local paper about the high school beach volleyball tournaments, and that's really cool. I mean, I would have done it if I was. When I grew up here in in the South Bay, I didn't grow up like maybe Kevin did with indoor volleyball, right? Like beach volleyball was really volleyball to me. It's like I found indoor volleyball after, and now it's coming back around where. That's a possibility for those kids, especially in the youth. They can play beach tournaments mainly in the summer, but now for their school. And I agree with you, with you, Jeremy, in terms of the, the future or the lack thereof. Yeah. Which is maybe it just becomes like a nice club sport that you play in high school and awesome. Hey, yeah. Which is sad, but and again, I want the sport to do good. I love beach. I love playing beach volleyball. I like going to beach volleyball events. I love getting paid to play music at beach volleyball events. <laughs> yeah. I like getting paid to commentate beach volleyball events. Yeah. But here's the other thing, too, is like I will volleyball fans, when former players tell me that they would not pay to see a volleyball event, that tells me a lot right there. Yeah. What about the model? To support the sport. Even the, the that made you prices that tickets money. are. Yeah. $20, 20 bucks for all day long. Right. Yeah. Twenty bucks can't get you in. Twenty bucks can't get you parking at Staples Center for a game. Much yeah. less get you in the door. Right. Much what less it? get food for under twenty bucks. I right. can't park for Cirque du Soleil for less Seriously. than twenty-two. What about the model? Um, and it was brought up by the the players, quote unquote, union on the beach a couple of years ago that never really got off the ground, which was like the ATP, the tennis tennis mm -hmm. um, tour, where um, the the events are really locally driven, really locally supported. So there's an over 
there's a there's a governing body that Todd Garonsky last week that that sanctions that sanctions these right, but there are like four majors right Manhattan Huntington Chicago and whatever Virginia Beach you pick you pick four and those are your your majors and you get a certain amount of points that's that's higher for those events you can also get points by playing in a CBVA event but obviously it's a lot less points for playing in something like that and then. If if a if a tournament goes under because they can't get sponsors, the whole tour doesn't disappear. It's just hey, nobody in Milwaukee to use to use Garansky, nobody in in Milwaukee can can attend the tournament. We don't have the structure, whatever. We can't do the event this year. Well, that's fine. There's a slightly smaller event that's in you know Chicago or yeah. in Cincinnati that you that you can attend there. I don't know. USAV, I think, was moving towards being a sanctioning body, and I've right. heard people rumbling about, "Oh, USAV is screwing this up again." Or this, USA Volleyball has nothing to do with what right the now. AVP or the NVL right. do. They said they office next to each other, but the NVL is going to do whatever the NVL is going to do. Well, the NVL wants sanctioning from USAV, so they're going to want to do. They're going to listen to what USAV says. There's reasons to work together, no doubt. But if the AVP doesn't care if their events are sanctioned, then they don't. What, they don't. What can USAV say to them? Nothing. They don't. And people well, are, and they keep asking, "Where's USAV in all of this? Where do they a, need to be?" Well, yeah, and there's a difference. What can they do? Well, again, they're not making money. USAV does not make money on beach volleyball. Nobody makes money on beach volleyball. Well, Carrie, Carrie makes money on her celebrity outside of beach volleyball. Correct. Right? There are four players, maybe maybe eight who are making money on beach volleyball. Eight in the entire United States. Out of 300-plus million people, that is eight people. And by making, you mean making a living. Right. Correct. Right. Not making why... making $10,000 when you live in Southern California, where that is barely your mortgage payment for two months, <laughs> or your rent for two months pre-tax, that's not making a living. That's why it's really interesting, this, this conflict that came up this last week, because the question that sort of has has arisen from a lot of players on both sides, well, not a lot, but some players on both sides is why does one tour schedule another event the same weekend that another tour is already because they want to tour is trying to right, well, that's put the other tour If they're not business. making money, I mean, it seems like uh, there's two ways to look at it. There's the business side of things, which in which case it's a pretty shrewd business move, right? Yes. To be like, hey, I don't we're I don't doing, disagree we're doing, with we're what doing, Donald did. Right. We're doing what we're doing. I don't care about you. But then there's the sport of it. And do you look at that and say, why not give everybody to- opportunity to play in as many tournaments as possible? Here, because there's no money yeah. to be made right. in the sport, you have to eliminate the competition. Here, if you go on, if you go on, if you go on the past, none of the top players really played in any of the NVL events. So if the ABP is doing an event on the same weekend as the NVL, those top players probably aren't going to play in that event. Well, hold on. Also, hold on. Not None of the top players played in the NVL events. I, mean, I, we've seen, not, I didn't say none of them did. I said most of them did not. We've, we saw quite a few. In Vegas. In Vegas. Best of the Beach, free hotel room, come hang out with Jeremy and Dustin in Vegas. <laughs> um, I mean, Avatar's coming on later. Is he considered a, a top player? He won. He played one event. He won a couple. And then look didn't at his, he and Casey win two last year? Or? Hold on, are we calling him a top player? That's what, that was my first in the question. world. We're we calling him a top player in the United States. Look at it. Look at his blog. He's not playing on the NBL ever again. Uh, well, yeah, just saying. Yeah, no, no, I'm not saying. What if he tries to? Sign okay, up well, now? that's the distinction then. Are you saying they're not going to going forward play on the NBL, or are you saying they haven't in the past? I'm he was not a you, top player. If when you look he at the past, yeah, most of the top players have did not play on the NBL events. 
Preakness last year, Phil and Todd. That was their own, that was their only there. domestic. Jen April? Right. Jen April played in a couple. Didn't they play One a couple? or two? Yeah. Um, but they also didn't really play in a lot of the Cuervo stuff either. If you they didn't like that. the ball. Correct. Um, but with that being the case, so some of these mid-level players who are talking about, oh, we need more events to play in, but what it looks like the way the AVP is structured right now, those mid-level players aren't going to be playing at AVP events anyways because they're not going to qualify to get in. So what we've seen, let me just interject. I'm they not, might not be able to get the I'm time not, off at Chili's either. I'm not arguing. I just want to interject what we've seen, and again, we mentioned it earlier on Facebook or some of the chat boards or whatever, is that the AVP tournaments formatted are going to be 16 team tournaments, probably only two days if it's 16 teams, with four of those being qualifier or three being qualifier and one wild card or something like that. So really you're talking about the top 12 teams being in. Yeah, and by the way, top 12 teams, you're not, if you're a mid-level player, you're not a top 12 team. Yeah. Um, and that's no slight to them. You're just not going to make it. So are you going to spend money to go to Utah if there's a qualifier? Right. Not make it in, and I as opposed seen, to staying in Hermosa Beach, where right. most of you live or close right. by. You save money. Driving. You play in an NVL event. You get more playing time. Experience as on to, the court. Yeah, yeah, experience on the court. Yes, you may not have the experience playing the top teams, but you're not going to make money. Without an announcement of prize money, there's no way to make that choice right now anyway. Correct. I mean, yeah, it's out in August. So and I do want to say, time. I reached out to Donald, sent him an email saying, obviously, I know you have a lot going on this week. And this was last week. Before this even happened. Before this even happened, I yeah. did. Sent him an email on, from last Monday, I think, right. after the show. Sent him an email. Haven't heard back yet. Um, we have reached out to Donald. We have reached out to James Lights of IMG. We, of course, have talked to Albert. Recently, yep, he's on flight right now. With Albert, yep. we have we have tried to talk to each one of these guys. There's not a lot of information being given out at the moment by the operators of each one of these tours. People who are texting me right now, yeah, I, I understand what you're texting me. Like I get it. And when I said not all the top players played on, you need to text me the top players that did play on it because <laughs> I know because I was there and I saw it. Um, well, I'm getting some text. NVL NVL prize money is a hundred thousand dollars. And are we? But going... That wasn't announced. I at least I didn't see. That for, announcement for the one event Previously. for the Hermosa event. I didn't see that announcement until after the AVP said their thing. Are we going to take any calls about this? Three four seven six seven seven fifteen twenty five. Sound off if you want. I mean, maybe we take a couple of uh, some of the people that are uh, have experience in beach volleyball. Some of the casual fans, whoever, um, you know, just just listening in. What's what's the what's the number? Again, Kevin? 347-677-1525. That's the number. We will take your call. If you want to sound off about this sport, where it's at, the announcement by the AVP, any of the topics that we've covered, we've, we've bounced around quite a bit. I continue to come back to some of the themes that we've had on this show for a long time. Three years ago, when the whole thing collapsed, we said that it would be about three years before it shook out. I thought it would shake out with a new operator. That was my thought when I said three years. You could actually shake out to nothing. You could shake out the CBVA. Uh, the, the the lack of money in the sport is pervasive and a problem. It, the sport is not advancing right now. The sport is not moving forward on a national basis here in the United States, very similar to the 1998 to 2001 period of time. When you then saw the sport come back and you had a whole bunch of uh, older players who basically had made the big money through the early 90s and hung on, and they came back, and you saw it in the prize winnings. Here's a new guy. Career prize earnings, $15,000. He's 
His partner, career prize earnings one million five hundred fifty thousand right, dollars or whatever. Right. You know, it wasn't that? But it's over a million dollars or nine hundred thousand dollars. Like, which is what oh. Adam Scott made this weekend, by the way. Yeah. So <laughs> we, have I, a, we have a caller. Oh yeah. Let's find, uh, we'll be ready to hang up if we don't agree with what they said. No doubt. Or or if it's one of these punks <laughs> on Block Talk Radio. Yeah. Uh, five one six. Hello. Hello, Welcome. Andy Lucasio here. Hey, how you oh, doing? Hey, Andy, how are you? Hey, gentlemen. I just want to say you guys have absolutely uh, nailed this argument, and Thank your you. business analysis is right on the money of why these tours are struggling the way they are. The appeal's not there. The sponsors aren't there. And the biggest problem is that there is simply not enough broad reach to the bigger audience. And that's what we're missing here. Well, you, you've got to go back to the, the model of, you know, you guys mentioned CVBA, which is a really good point. Those youth and amateur events rolled onto one umbrella with more money could do this. Imagine if um, Donaldson gave $2 million and just created a pool of prize money for players. What does that do to the sport tomorrow? If you put $2 million in a pool and create prize money? Yeah, what does it do to the sport tomorrow? Does it, oh, a does it create a broader base for, could we have 13 tour events with 100000 apiece in prize money? Well, the problem becomes that you have all these these operating costs as well that have to get covered. So if you were going to run an event, particularly out here, I've heard numbers even close to a million dollars to set up on the beach out here. If you're setting up a smaller footprint, maybe you get away with a couple hundred thousand dollars. Plus, then you have to pay out another hundred thousand, three hundred grand in a weekend just to set up the event, just to run the event and pay for the setup and the players. Forget anything else that comes up, or if you're going to actually make money as a promoter, that's a pretty tough sell, I think, in today's uh, environment to just sponsors. No, right? No, you're absolutely right. But the question is, I guarantee you that Albie's not spending a million dollars to set up an event. I think right. the age of the million dollar event setup. Is gone. That ship sailed long ago, and IMG proved it, that that they could not go and do that. And that would not work. Yeah, if IMG how, could how still do that, if IMG could still do that, they would be doing it. Right. But how cheap yeah. can you get away? Right. Well, that's, that's really the question. You know, the yeah. tour promoters need to be savvy. And the bottom line is, yeah, you got to have three-day events, and you got to bring in the appeal. And what else is missing? Where's the big media coverage? You know, in the East, how tough it is to see a volleyball event. Where uh, it's tough to see volleyball, period, unless you're at the live, unless yeah. you're at the event unless live. You're there. Well, that's why I think Andy and we've talked about this before. I think it needs to go to the internet. I think you just need to forget TV at this point. Absolutely. And yeah, whoever who dis- ever distributes best on the internet might just win at this, and this, and you will have a broad enough appeal to tell sponsors, yeah, we had two hundred thousand views, or we had three hundred thousand views over this match over a ninety-day period. Yeah, got played on one Saturday. But if we we got 24 matches to air, yeah, you can have those views and you have a viable sponsor model. Andy, thanks for the call. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Yeah, that continues to be the problem. If you're a promoter, how do you even pay your costs, much less make a profit? I mean, that's the goal, right, to make a profit. And everybody out there, well, can't we just get along? Let's support the sport and do it. You know, that's nice. You can't pay your rent on goodwill. I mean, we've, we've talked about on the player level, you can't pay in beach chairs and shark watches. You certainly, as a promoter, <laughs> cannot pay on goodwill. And your good works for the sport. And there aren't that many benevolent millionaires out there who are going to put in the kind of money that's necessary to 
run an event at a deficit right now. I think Donald is in that situation. Look, I have no idea how much money Donald has, Nor do I. and I don't care. It's right. no business to me, but being a person who runs multiple businesses, I can only run a business losing money for so long right. until I'm out. And Donald, who true, looks true like of anybody, yeah, it looks like he's putting in his own money to build the sport up. Which, hey, I'm, if he's willing to do that, I'm, the players are happy to take that money. The fans are happy that volleyball is quote unquote back in their eyes. Like he has every right to do that. But how long will he continue to do that if he's not making money back? The zeros are just the zeros, right? Everybody complains if someone buys a million dollar car, or Charles Barkley loses a hundred grand gambling, or Michael Jordan loses three hundred grand gambling. Bigger it's bills. Just the zeros. Bigger bills. Right. Bigger bro. Bigger problems. No, not even bigger problems. It's just the zeros. Yeah. You know, hey, a hundred grand to Charles Barkley. Okay, that's maybe like ten grand to you, or five grand to you. It's just the scale of things. So Donald, he works on a different scale than the rest of us. We have to assume, considering he is the son of a billionaire. So we have to assume he works on different zeros, but at some point, you're exactly right, Jeremy. You run out of your patience to yeah. spend your zeros. Another caller. Yeah, I got another caller here. Uh, I, I think this is CB and got some uh, interesting perspective as a longtime involvement director and president of CBVA and also some, some surfing experience as well. CB, is that you? Yeah, it is. Hi, Dusty. How are you doing? Good. Um, well, interesting conversation you guys are having here, and obviously I'm real involved with beach volleyball. I just grew up as a player, got into running tournaments, and, and now you know helping to run the CBDA, and I also work with USA Volleyball a little bit. But uh, I just, I think um, you know I would never try to impugn DJ Roche's uh, credentials about beach volleyball, but I have to strongly. Strongly disagree with him here that and I'm all this for is not the death rattle of beach volleyball. I think that it is definitely at its lowest point right now, but I have no doubt that the sport is thriving at every level, other than you know what we would call the top of the pyramid, and that's the domestic professional level. And I think as soon as we can get past the, the factions and everybody gets on the same page. Then uh, sponsors will jump back in. Chris, can that ever actually happen? That's because you have such diverse interests, personal interests, depending upon the level and place of the athletes. Yeah, but I absolutely, it, it's happened before, and I think it will happen again. I think, you know, to the point you guys were just talking about, most of us thought, well, this factionalism will take a, a year or two to shake out. And I, I think I'm also surprised that it's taken now a few years. But after a while, um, I think some of these organizations are going to get tired of hitting their head against the wall and will kind of either merge or go about, you know, finding other ways to run their organization. Because the, the problem right now in my mind is that if you're a sponsor, you're getting three, four different organizations coming to you telling you, hey, I'm the hot, cool uh, beach volleyball organization. You have to sponsor me. And as soon as that guy leaves, another guy comes in your office and tells you the same thing. So you're just confused. If you don't know the sport, you just throw your hands up and you say, these guys don't know what they're doing. I'll just sit on the sidelines and put my money in NASCAR and wait until they figure it out. Okay, but at the same time, um, all youth volleyball is thriving. Um, participation in grassroots is through the roof and has been now for over a decade. 
you got the sand volleyball, both with NCAA and as Dusty is mentioning in high school. So it, it re- the sport really is thriving, and I think that's an important point to keep in mind. The only thing that's suffering is that very top of the pyramid, the pro domestic tour or tours, and I think that you know, in another year or two, that will be figured out as well. I don't ever see a scenario where pro beach volleyball completely goes away. I just don't see that happening. But it did two years ago, three years ago. Chris, isn't this well, a situation, the, the argument that people have been having about the structure of the tour or who should go where or the, the right organization, whether it's the AVP versus the FIVB or now been the AVP versus the NVL, hasn't this always been that there are too many divergent interests in this sport? And even when the money was big, there were all these same arguments going on. Uh, no, I would disagree with that. I don't think it's always been that way. I think that a funny thing for you know old teasers like myself is that back prior to 96, when people talked about the possibility of beach volleyball becoming an Olympic sport, all of us thought that would be the coolest thing of all time. And on a certain level, it is cool that, that, that it got into the Olympics and once every four years you get to see that spectacle and it's the hottest ticket and everybody wants to see it. NBC plays it in prime time and gets the highest ratings. But at the same time, the fact that it did become an Olympic sport transferred the power to the FIVB, gave them the power to make incredible rule changes and who qualifies for the Olympics and all of those things and really, in my mind, hurt the sport, especially when you're talking about domestically in the United States. Um, now, I, I think that we can overcome that, and I'm certain that we will, but I think it's going to take everybody getting on the same page, and we can't have five different groups going to hit up Paul Mitchell and saying, I'm the cool beach volleyball thing, you got to give me half a million dollars. We need everybody to come together be on the same page, and say, and then the money will start flowing back into the sport. Chris, uh, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Good message of unity there at the end. Uh, I, I think I'm not the – so Chris has said, and I now I don't feel so lonely out on the island, <laughs> saying that uh, the Olympics are not good, all good, for beach volleyball, particularly in the United States. Uh, I, I think that that's a, a point that we made here on the show a while ago, and I – the point of FIVB then taking so much power over the sport, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, that's exactly what happened because they have control of that highest exposure level for the sport. So then did Pro Beach Volleyball in the United States mess up and not capitalize on that correctly? Because us being in the Olympics shouldn't quote-unquote hurt the domestic tour. Hey, look, Beach Volleyball always wanted to be equal to indoor. That was the I argument know. from the players. I know. They are 100% equal right now because the grassroots stuff Chris is talking about and he's involved with on the indoor side also doesn't matter. It doesn't have any effect on the pro-level stuff. There has been a vibrant and growing women's uh, indoor scene in collegiately for years and years that has had zero effect on the growth of professional women's beach yeah. or professional women's indoor volleyball. They always try to have a tour, right? We, they, they we talked about a couple things. yeah, leagues and whatnot. Several leagues. And They've had say, leagues from the mid-80s. They've had six or eight leagues. And I hope he's correct. I hope I'm wrong that we're not in the, the death rattle stage. Right. Pro but you're volleyball. talking about pro, not, yeah. not just – No, he, just he's pro He's talking beach, about everything yeah. else. Pro beach volleyball in the United States. That's my opinion. I 
100% hope I'm wrong. So he now, Chris Brown is on record as saying this is the lowest point in beach volleyball. Dave Williams, worst year ever, or perhaps worst year since 2010. Dave Williams a few weeks ago here on the show, a couple months ago now. Uh, this is not going to be a, a good year for beach volleyball, and I suppose you can salvage it with some good events at the end, the AVP, but really it's not going to be – the AVP measure of success is not going to be do they actually write the checks they say they're going to. By the way, haven't said what kind of checks they're going to write the players, right, at the end of the year. The question will be what are the crowds like and who watches, whether it's Internet or TV. That's what that's what the measure of success will be. So if I tune on I think crowds will or I up. go to an AVP event yeah. and there are 2,000 people in the stands mm-hmm. and another 1,000 people walking around, mm-hmm. is, that it, enough? is that enough? Well, it depends on Cuervo last year, some very lightly attended events. Some of the stuff that, that Chris brought up and from what Jeremy mentioned earlier from a sponsorship perspective, and this is one point of view, is as there are competing tours, if you're trying to sell – your brand as a tour to a sponsor who maybe is one of those larger across uh, demographic companies like you mentioned earlier, Kevin. Yeah, not Park and Sun, but somebody else. Right. How do you, how how can you convince them that you are the actual volleyball tour when there's three other tours that are competing? And if they don't know anything about beach volleyball because they're not, it's not, you know, Jeremy Roche, Vala Entertainment Shorts, it's, it's Gatorade. You know, got a ready. Yeah. Then, then how can you convince them that you're the only one unless you somehow either work together with the other tours and and it's it's all for one and one for all, or unfortunately you eliminate the other tours. You had better figure out if you're a beach volleyball operator right now. You had better figure out how to move some merchandise. You had better figure out how to move merchandise for somebody and show a return on investment with the people that are at your event. Because that's the thing that's keeping some of these other things alive. Yeah. NASCAR, struggling with sponsorship Drink. for cars. Supercross, struggling with sponsorship for Drink. satellite teams. Struggling. Big entities, struggling. It's the economy we're in, too, is another big issue that we're having. Mm. Everybody. For sure. Not just volleyball. Yeah. Right. But these are places where you, you guys went to the NASCAR event. Yeah. It was awesome. It, but <laughs> how much how much merch is moving? Oh, was that Jeez. the event you weren't at, Kevin? That was the Sorry, line. continue what you're saying. Yeah, it's crazy. How, how, much... how long are the lines at the trailers with the stuff? And everybody's wearing something from someone or, yeah. Something absolutely. they bought. Yeah. Not something they got for free. No. And in beach volleyball, and this will forever be the case, you can practically play with anything you already have. You could play in a banana hammock. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Please don't. That. Please don't. But you could. But you could. Right. We have another caller. Oh, we do? Yeah. Uh, you know who this is? I don't, so hopefully it's good. Yeah, I don't know oh, if it's two Brian. 305. 305. Are you there? Hey, bud. It's John Walter. Hi, Johnny. Hey, Johnny. <laughs> but, uh, are you just calling to say hi to me, or are you calling to... <laughs> I, wanna, I want you to bring up the fact that, you know, I heard ABP, you know, dumped another on top of an NBL event. Aren't they in Florida during ABP's Vegas? Yes, we will get to that for sure. Um, okay, okay. We will I'm just coming in from a fan's point of view. No, I, and I, that's what we want. We want everybody's point of view. Okay. Well, that, that's right, my awesome. biggest thing. I just think that there, there should be some governing body that doesn't allow that type of double dipping and, you know, less less chances for fans as well as players alike to enjoy themselves. I, uh, okay. We'll talk about that right now, and I'll see you at lunch after okay. the show. Okay. <laughs> All right, John makes a good point. 
there is you could have a governing body, but the governing body again then would have to have control of the entities, right? They're or not control something to hold over them, which is if the AVP doesn't need them to sanction their events, then what can USAV do? The FIVB has power over some of the pro league. The FIVB has power over the national teams and all those events they play in. USA Volleyball has no power over the AVP. Right. So one thing, let's let's step back and we've we've um, touched on it, but let's make sure that everybody's aware. So the the AVP schedule is up, and it says Salt Lake City that Utah event August 17th and 18th, Cincinnati August 31st, September 1st, St. Petersburg the 14th and 15th of September, Sa- Santa Barbara September 28th, 29th, Huntington. October 19th and 20th. So it kind of is every two weeks. And one thing that both tours, all tours have to take into account when scheduling is the FIVB first. So they want to make sure that they have those dates free so that their players can qualify or play in those FIVB events if possible. The NVL site also has their schedule up and it does in fact have that West Coast Championships in Hermosa on the 16th through the 18th of August. There's actually an event in July in Mason, Ohio, the Cincinnati area, and uh, and then the Best of the Beach event at uh, in Las Vegas that we talked about, which is, as John said, the same conflicting weekend uh, of the 14th of September as the AVP St. Petersburg event. So that's what we're referring to. I wonder if they, uh, uh, you know, if they take into consider. I wonder how many weeks there are left, right? Like when you when you. There's the whole month of June. When you th- yeah, but can, July. You, can you schedule May, an event? There's April. Can you schedule an event that quickly though? <laughs> no, but you have no, a year. What, and what, you know, what is taking point. so long? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and trust me, I know how difficult it is. There's yeah. so much stuff that goes into putting on an event, like lots of problems. And it's not like you can be like, oh, I want to do events this time. And the city's be like, all right, cool. But there's a process of paperwork and right. all that permits other BS and everything. To, it's a it, permits, it is approvals. A, you got to get equipment there. You have to staff it. I mean, yeah. but that was always my issue back in the day. It's like you're not going to build the sport if you don't keep going back to the same city right around the same time every single year and then build that way. If the AVP doesn't go back to Salt Lake City again next year, then going this year is a waste, in my in my opinion. The problem with this is when it grew out of its organic thing in the 70s and 80s, it was something that grew bigger and bigger on the beach here in California. Right. It, it just morphed into that. You didn't have to have approval because you had the minor approval, but then you had a maximum event. All of a sudden, now you're trying to pick some pick or pitch a maximum event to somebody, you have to get approval. There's a lot of things that have to go into getting that done. And look, could the AVP, could it just be a coincidence that two of their events no. are on top of NVLs? No, this uh, is... It could be It could be a coincidence. This is ramming... Would I be, bet money on it being coincidence? Not in the least. Right. This is Ben-Hur. Get the drums going. Ramming speed! And look, to Johnny's point, too, like, is there a governing body... Here's what USAV, in my opinion, needs to do. They need to set the rules for Olympic qualifying now. Because if they don't do it now, in four years when the AVP is not around, we're going to go through the same exact thing we just did this past Olympics. That's the only power USAV has over anybody to say, this is how you qualify. I don't care how many events you have. If you don't want us to sanction you, that's fine. We're putting on two events to qualify for the Olympics. Your players need to play in these events to get the Olympics, or else they're not going. That's the only power that they have. Here's their problem. And why haven't we done that yet? You're exactly right. Here's the problem, though. Tell Doug to call me. How? <laughs> if you're Doug and you're the you're doing the work there at USA Volleyball on the board, how are you putting together the requirements when you don't even know yeah. who's operating events that exactly. you could possibly have be part of the requirement? Right. It leaves USA Volleyball to run their own events. And honestly, if I'm USA Volleyball right now, 
I tell the players, the AVP, the NVL, tough luck. Here's what we're doing. You have to. If you don't want to participate, do not participate. And Kerry can cry about it. Todd can get upset. Those two, the beach reps, Al Lau, who's on the, the governance committee now. Uh, who else is on there? Um, I don't know. And, anyway, all the, all the folks that are representing beach ostensibly on the USA Volleyball structure, if, if I mean, those are the ones that I think will probably hold up some sort of USA Volleyball going on its own. I don't really know how that's all working right now together. I'm not in the room. But USA Volleyball has to pick a direction and tell the players, if you don't want to play, that's fine. Because you're not, you can you can never be held hostage by the inmates at the asylum. Well, that's my so Carrie, Phil, Todd, anybody, you're not in charge of doing the business. Be quiet. You want to play in our event? Fine, come and play in our event. That's We're going to make a business decision and go this way because right now it's a flipping mess. Well, here's my question too, and I understand like if I'm a beach player, yeah, I want it to be as easy for me to make the Olympics. If Carrie is on the board. Talking about what's best for her, I get it. I totally understand. Is that best for the sport? Probably not. But she's doing what's best for her, and again, I understand that. But how much power do they have on the board to stop USAV from doing what they need to do that's best for the sport to qualify for the Olympics? That's really the only place USAV comes in. You know what I'm saying? Like, where is – how much can Carrie say, no, we're not going to do this way, and USAV is like, okay – They've well, they've done a fairly good job. Beach, some beach folks of establishing some control here and putting people on the board that agree with them. But it is a more staff-driven organization than ever, and I don't know how that all plays out power-wise. I haven't looked into it. Reed Pretty would know better. But at some Who? point, USAV has to yeah. go a direction <laughs> Drink. and be rid of all this mess. Be rid of of all the fighting because now you have two organizations that you supposedly were sanctioning or trying to work with who are now fighting with each other. And that's why I say to Chris, I don't think this is new. FIVB and AVP fought for years. These guys are now fighting again domestically over the crumbs that are left for the domestic beach volleyball scene financially. USA Volleyball is going to control who's on these national teams. Josh Glazeberg wants to move on. Go. Just go. Um, We have to move on because we have Coach's Corner. Yeah. But that's a good in two minutes. I have two more minutes. To we rant. we can Please. run a break for a second. Uh, but I want to rant. Can rant, rant. Go ahead. No, rant. I don't. I don't rant. I just want. Um, there's talk on the message board that the NBL is basically a developmental. It's not a pro league. Sure. Um, I guess it depends on your definition of pro league is. And well, that's now, what you basically said when you said that the top players don't correct consistently um, play there. Well, and now too, if what is being talked about behind the scenes that the top players have signed exclusive deals with the AVP. They're not going to play anywhere else other than AVP events. So what does that mean for the NVL? And also, and we'll get back to this after we talk to Ryan, what does Ryan. that mean for me? Ryan. No, Ryan Doherty. Oh. Because we have... We have Ryan I'm and running, Ryan. I'm running the show, guys. I right. know what's happening. So Jeremy right. Roche's in that lot. We have Coach Corner at 11, College Ball Week 11.15, Ryan Doherty 11.30, then we'll get back to me right Okay. But if all these players have signed exclusive deals with the AVP who is going to play in Manhattan Beach. Right. And if these top players don't play in Manhattan Beach, then I'm going to be really upset because that is the biggest event, regardless of who's running it. The granddaddy. The granddaddy of them all. And if you are not, if you don't respect the sport enough to play in that event, then the fans should take note of that. Kerry already did. 
Kerry already refused to play when they went to old school scoring, right? Because that was stupid. Yeah, but that that was different. Well, we already had we already had a situation where the top players refused to play in the event. So Rosie won. And Aaron. It was like an ace event, but yeah. still. It was Corona. It was ace, same thing. You wanna take a break real quick? Yeah, then? let's take a quick break. We're gonna be right back with Brian Wynn. Let's learn about fitness. We'll learn about some stuff. You can prepare for your C B V A event or you can prepare for anything else you're getting ready to do, and we'll also talk about the way that is, those preparations have changed in the last 10 or 15 years. Big changes in the world of physical fitness. Hurley for their support of this show, as well as Aspire Institute and Volleyball Magazine for hosting our site. And then we also have the ABCA, and they sponsor a couple of segments, both of which are coming up back-to-back. Let's get the music going for Coach's Corner. The ABCA Coach's Corner is an opportunity to explore program-building aspects of volleyball, whether indoor or out. An opportunity to learn about some of the things that it takes to run a program. Today we're going to bring on the physical trainer aspect, a man with much experience being involved as a student athletic trainer during his time at UCLA. He worked with athletes like Tom Stilwell, Brian Taliaferro, guys that you'll remember, as well as the men's water polo program, baseball, track and field. And then he moved out and went to the NFL for a little while with the Jacksonville Jaguars, five years there as assistant strength and conditioning coach, then was the head athletic trainer and head strength and conditioning coach for the Los Angeles Avengers for another five years in arena football before getting into Hollywood and a little bit of consulting, working for real sports in the sports studio, and then working on his own thing, being an athletic trainer and athletic performance coach to none other than Mark Wahlberg. And this launched him into a little bit of Hollywood himself. So you can see him in a few movies that are out there right now. Max Payne, The Lovely Bones, Invincible Shooter. He he worked on those with Mark Wahlberg, and he appeared in The Fighter. You can also see him get in a fight in Looper. Please welcome to the program the owner and fitness director of Brick Fitness Solutions, Brian Wynn. Brian. Yo, Kevin. Hey, thanks for calling in, man. We know you're we know you're busy running your own show over there. Appreciate you spending a little time with us, and uh, we want to start off just just with saying, Brian, you've been in this game since your time at UCLA in 1995. 
there have been a lot of changes in the way athletes are trained, and, and athletes who've spanned that period have seen it, but what have been some of the major changes in the way fitness is approached for high-level collegiate athletes as well as professional athletes? Well, well first off, thanks very much for having me on the on the show, Kevin. I, I, I really appreciate it and so excited to, to speak on this subject. And uh, in regards to the changes that have occurred, I mean, there's, you know, we've always, ever since the 90s, we've always talked about core, but I think now there's truly an understanding, now that we've kind of gone organic with how human movement works and, you know, bringing people back to a sense of, you know, we back in the, I remember doing some of the training, we'd have, you know, some guys balancing single leg on a BOSU ball, you know, while while holding, you know, a dumbbell across. It was just doing some crazy balance stuff. And we thought, ah, you know, the, the better your balance is on that, that's, that's going to translate onto the court. Well, not necessarily so. We've kind of taken a step back, like I said, gone organic with it. We've been able to create these screens where we ba- we look at basic movement patterns, and then from those movement patterns, we translate those, that movement into the sport, whatever sport that may be. And then um, so from a training aspect uh, out, off the court, um, really just solidifying those patterns, whether it be a squat pattern, a lunge pattern, a single leg balance pattern, um, you know, working on shoulder stability. All these things are now more, like I said, organic in nature, taking a look at somebody, not from just a, you're a volleyball player, so this is what we have to work on, but baseline, you're a human, so this is what we have to work on first as a human, then we'll add on to that. Okay, so take me through a volleyball-specific item. You and I have had some discussions about jumping old ideas of how to increase vertical and stability in the motion of jumping versus new ideas on how to increase vertical and the stability during jumping, jumping an integral part of volleyball. What have been the changes and what should coaches be trying to teach their athletes today to increase their stability and longevity in the sport? Perfect. So when you break down a jump, when you look at a jump, all right, there are several components that you see, but bottom line, you see a great squat, Okay. And unfortunately, so many people have a very poor squat, meaning that they, 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 if you just stood up in the air and you put your arms up there and you said, all right, squat down to the ground as low as you can, you have a lot of people who, you know, have this huge fall forward. They, you know, they have tension and up in the knees. And you, you think, okay, well, that's just standing on the ground, squatting. What more when you're jumping up in the air and then having to land that with all that force and deceleration? So, you know, back in the day, we'd always think, all right, let's just increase your jump. Let's let's put some straps on you. Let's put a weight vest on you, and then we'll have you jump onto a plyo box. Obviously, that's going to ha- that's gonna help you jump because you have to overcome this weight, overcome this for- with force with gravity. So when it comes time to the game, when you don't have that weight vest on or you don't have that rubber band attached to you, you'll be able to jump in, you know, huge amounts. Well, yeah, you know, physically, you do, your body learns that physics, but it's the deceleration aspect of it. That's where everybody gets hurt. And how do we train for deceleration? Well, it doesn't really occur. It doesn't, you know, until now. You know, now we're, as a community of of athletic performance coaches, we're starting to understand that, you know, it's one thing to teach the acceleration part, which is that weighted vest, that, that, uh, that elastic band thing. However, how do we train deceleration? How about just, how do you, like, just, having somebody hop and then land in a squat position, just from not even up in the air, just 
land into a squat position so that you feel it not in your knees, but feel it in your butt. And if you can't, and if you don't do, and if you don't feel it in your butt, and you only feel it in your knees, well, there lies the, we need to do some corrective exercise so that your body does learn how to absorb force in the posterior chain versus the knee. And that's a whole other topic in and of itself, but that's a, that's a huge piece right there. All right, Brian, when athletes start training, of course, club a huge part of the world of volleyball, club athletes and high school-aged athletes. When should those type of athletes start training and start trying to uh, really work on their form? What age? Oh, in, in, you, 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 you know, you're introducing the sport of volleyball, you know, these days age at, you know, age 12, 14. This is when they're starting to grow. This is when they need to start doing that strength and conditioning because of the fact that the body's developed and you can't lose that, those patterns. So, for example, there's a, you know, there, this 12-year-old, he's going through his growth spurt and, you know, he lives in a world where he never really squats anymore. And when I say squat, I'm talking about that, you know, squat uh, around a campfire squat, not a, not a, uh, not a partial squat to vet, you know, to avoid pain of any. I'm talking about all the way down. So with that caveman type squat, you know, how effective is that squat? Well, that's the backside of your core, you know, and if you can't hold that position, that's a bad thing. That's something that has to be that cannot be lost. If you ever really watch a child move, uh, and I'm talking about, you know, and you've got the young kids too, and they, so they're already moving like this. They can get down to that low squat. They don't lose that. But in this society, we, we, we do nothing but sit in chairs. We sit in chairs. We sit in a car. You know, we, we'll sit on a, a on a couch, but we never get into that deep squat position. Even you know, it's the position we're supposed to take a dump in. You know, but we have toilets, so we sit in the toilet. So our whole society. Hold on, hold on. Did you that. say position to take a dump in? Is that what just? Is that <laughs> yeah. Toilet. Well, I mean, like you go right. to any third world country. You go to any third world country. A- a- any one of them. All right. And you have a, a society that doesn't suffer from back pain. They don't suffer from knee pain. Why? Because their body understands their center of gravity, okay? And we can go on and on about, you know, human movement, but the minute you start, you lose that, that squat position where you can sit in your heels all the way on the ground is the minute that your body turns that backside off and throws all the weight in front, which is why we have so many. I mean, you, you, I, I just did a talk on, you know, on kids. There was a kid uh, a couple months ago, Age 11 that tore his ACL. I mean, you're, you're, this, this, this is, it's, that's unheard of, you know, like age 11 tearing an ACL, how does that even happen? You know, so, I mean, just from the get-go, just like I was talking to Kevin earlier, like, I need to be able to talk about this to, to, the, to the parents that are out there because, you know, it's one thing to, to teach your kids to play volleyball, and then, yeah, you know what, all he has to do is play more volleyball. That's so not the case. They got, you know, everything happens in seasons. Even the NFL, you know, there's an off-season, a preseason, an in-season, and then a post-season. And, you know, and things happen in those seasons that are supposed to differentiate and create. What's, and it's all of it, all of that, um, uh, like, what, for, for lack of a better word right now, because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just leaving my mind. Um, but it's just supposed to prevent overtraining. It's periodization. Sorry, I apologize. So if anybody ever looks online, yeah. Periodization. You know, that's the idea. That yes, there's an in season for volleyball, but preseason that's the time when your your kids are supposed to be in the weight room, working on movement patterns, 
working on the corrective pattern that will keep him or her away from injury. One of those patterns, especially in volleyball, is to improve the squat pattern. Brian, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the whole idea of seasons because those athletes really don't have an off-season. Professionally, we don't have an off-season, but collegiately, athletes do have an off-season, and, and they can utilize that. That's the, probably the one period of time when these athletes actually do have an opportunity to train in that way, which would be valuable. You also mentioned some of the online stuff that's available. It's nice that folks in Southern California would have access to you and your expertise, but if you're somewhere else in the country, what are some of the resources that coaches can access online to learn more about some of the correct patterns for squatting, some of the ways to uh, increase their knowledge of modern-day training? My, my favorite website is functionalmovement.com. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you log in, you, 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 you get on there, and it is, it's a wonderful portal for anybody to really understand the seven basic human movement patterns. You can also look up uh, local professionals who are certified in that functional movement screen who can, A, just screen your athlete. It, will, it takes, you know, less than ha- half an hour to screen your athlete to see how well he does at, he or she does at the actual human movement pattern. And then if there is pain or if there are, there are corrective exercises that need to be done, that professional can, you know, help you out. But there's a video library source on there. They have a ton of different uh, of, of different uh, links on there in regards to, you know, whether it is a sport or specific pains you may have, whether it's shoulder pain, knee pain, and it can lead you into the right, uh, the right um, exercise, so to speak. And there's so many different modules on that website. Again, that's functionalmovement.com. And it's a it's a wonderful source for anybody out there that's looking to to um, get screened or or improve their actual movement. We're talking to Brian Wynn, uh, athletic trainer and strength coach for a variety of different places, including UCLA and the uh, NFL Football League. Jacksonville Jaguars. Brian, I wanted to ask you about your Hollywood stuff and how different it is to work with a Hollywood guy like Mark Wahlberg and some of the other celebrities you've worked with versus working with professional athletes. What's some of the differences in their mentality? Well, I got to say, you know, I've worked with several different athletes and, um, you know, it's so, it's, it's amazing because the, the one thing you really, and I was, I was just mentioning this to uh, another day with, uh, with someone else, but, you know, the true athletes out there, um, there is something about the intensity and the passion they have for his or her sport that really can, um, it's just a variable. And working with Mark Wahlberg, he is of that caliber. You know, he may not be able, he, he may not do it on a court or, you know, uh, for a professional team, but uh, he really is an athlete himself. You know, he trains hard. Each role that he has for a movie, he's had to have a different demand of, uh, whether it's a body type or, you know, whether it's jumping around, you shooting guns versus playing football on a field or in the latest movie, Pain and Gain, coming out here in a couple of weeks, he's, you know, a 1980s bodybuilder. You know, every single one of these movies that we've prepped for has demanded a completely different athlete within. And we, I've trained so hard. I mean, we trained so hard for that Pain and Gain movie as an 80s bodybuilder. I mean, I weigh 145 pounds normally, I got up to 162 pounds just, you know, lifting with Wahlberg during that time. Uh, during Fighter, uh, Mark was 160 pounds lean. And, you know, I, I mean, it's it's amazing 
for pain and gain, he got up to 210. So you 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 look at the the spectrum of where he needs to be at at any given point in time, and that's a sport right there. I mean, you 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 look at how he needs to change it. That's a that's a huge sport to change your body that way. And um, but regardless of all that, like I was saying earlier, there's an underlying human. There's an underlying athlete. No matter what role we we prep for, we've always been great at those seven basic human movement patterns, you know, and that's always given us longevity with with, with, with whatever move we were on, you know, preventing injuries, uh, making sure that we can train hard, continue to train hard. I mean, we'll, we'll, you know, it's one thing to go at it hard, but you're playing volleyball five days a week. If you don't take the time to do some foam rolling and do some, you know, unlocking the body, you're, you're going to have to injury. So you know, people laugh people at us when we bring our foam rollers on the set and during uh, during Drake or during a, a camera switch, we're foam rolling along the side. But then, you know, by the end of the movie, you know, I've already, you know, passed out 10 different foam rollers to different people on set and completely changed their lives, you know. So it's a, it's a heck of a ride, the whole Hollywood experience and, and working with all the other different actors and actors out there. But yeah. it's been a, it was a fun sport. Brian, I know you have your own place here, Brick Fitness, located in Redondo Beach, in the southern section of Redondo Beach, and you want to reach out to some of the athletes. If they want to reach out to you, how would they do it? Where would they go? It's easy. You just go to brickfitness.com. That's B-R-I-K fitness.com. Drop your name right on there. You can call us at 310-373-BRICK. That's 310-373-BRICK. Or just look us up on Facebook, Brick Fitness on uh in Redondo Beach, again, that's B-R-I-K, hit us up on Facebook and we'll get in touch with you. Um, you know, we thankfully, you know, we've had, we've been able to reach a lot of different athletes and a lot of different people from all over the L.A. area, but um, it's nice to really be a part of a community now and uh, all the people are coming in from Palos Verdes, Torrance, Redondo Beach, Manhattan Beach. Um, it's, 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 it's a growing thing. We're only six months old right now. And um, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. You know, I've never had so much fun really building a community of people. Like I tell everybody, I really have my own cheers here. You know, just a place where everybody goes and knows your name. Um, it's 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 been fantastic. I look forward to having anybody come in the doors. Awesome. Hey, Brian, thanks for coming on and uh, giving us a little bit of perspective on some of the new training techniques that are out there. And uh, wish you best of luck with Brick. Hey, Ken, hey. thank you very much, buddy. All right, Brian Wynn, owner of Brick Fitness, and he mentioned that they're brand new, brand new in their location for the last six months. Brian's been at this on his own for quite some time, since uh, back around 2008 with a few different programs, and there you go. He's actually contractually required to play that inside uh, the gym. That. It has to come on every third song. How many uh, free training sessions do we get now? They're like eight, uh, yeah, nine? Yeah, you can come in. I can get you. Yeah. I can get you hooked up. You can, you can get me in? I'll get you hooked up, yeah. A lot of squatting over the... Marky Dumper. Mark. Now, I've been going there bunch. for about uh, three months. I, I like the results. It's something between being on your own and going all the way to the CrossFit model. This is a very personalized yes. program. Are they that'll classes? deal with whatever issues you have. They have classes, but they also offer the personal program. Like semi-private aspect. classes where it's like less than 10 or something? Semi-private training is like two or three. Oh, okay. 
So you're there with the coach and working. It's really good. I just need a month, you know, two days a week. Yeah. Rehab my knee a little bit, and I'll be good to go. Well, no, I mean, that's exactly the kind of thing that they're good with. And, and honestly, is I, there a net live discount? I've had. Absolutely. Yeah, we can hook it up. <laughs> I've uh, I've had good results with getting my core stronger. Come on, finally come on, come on. Back yeah, in my you knees, were talking so. over Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Trying to actually give content here on the program. No, son of uh, But I, I like what he's doing, and, and the Hollywood Connection is just fun. It's kind of a cool thing, and uh, we could go on with Brian for a long time. It's amazing what your how... body can do, by the way. When you go from yeah. like 140 to 160, or what was he saying? Wahlberg was like one two oh two or something. Yeah, yeah. So those guys are chameleons. Though. What they do to their body, whether losing weight or gaining weight as an actor, it's impressive. Well, and that's your job Smith too. It's like my job for the next Tom four to five months yeah. is to get big and right. so everything you're doing everything. is going to that. Or if you're yeah. Tom Hanks, you had to gain a bunch of weight and lose a bunch of weight. And for, you're only uh, making shot it over like dollars. So. Yeah, exactly. over a year. <laughs> Right? I think it was longer than that, wasn't it? Like they shot one scene where like he had gained the weight. They shot that first, and then he right. lost all the weight, something like that, and then shot it like a year later. Right. I, I would have liked. What's the to, movie? Uh, I can't think of the name offhand. Castaway. Will Castaway. Said. Great movie. I uh, I would have involving a volleyball, so we can talk yeah. about it. I would have liked to hear a little more from from Brian, and maybe we'll we'll be in touch about shoulder. Nice. I was going to ask him about that, but we're kind of tight on time. Yeah, we, I know. We definitely need to have him back to talk about shoulder stability. Yeah, because especially, and he mentioned a lot of it, but we didn't get specific to the shoulder in terms of younger players, more reps. Yeah. You know, over. Overuse and that sort of thing. So well, I like the. If you're a club director or somebody out there, call him. Yeah. Ask him. He, yeah. he's, he's great with information. What yeah. was the word? Deceleration? Is that what he said? Deceleration. Yeah, yeah. so Which it was is... interesting because that's talked about and, and we're foreshadowing to a later guest, but pitchers in baseball. Yeah. Also, the, the vast majority of their injuries on their arms is actually after they've thrown the ball, trying to stop your arm from moving at such a fast velocity. So it's the deceleration that he was talking about. It's interesting. Right. I just got the last poll until the final poll. <laughs> uh, characterized by the ABCA. Let's get there with uh, Jay and Mike. We have them both. Thanks for hanging in there, boys. Going a little late here on The Net Live as we start College Volleyball Weekly. A look at what was and what will be. And we're coming down to it here. The summer break coming up. We'll start thinking about women, but not for a few more weeks. We're the always conference thinking tournaments. about women. <laughs> <laughs> the conference tournament's coming up. The field has been set. And we bring in Jay Hasek and Mike Sondheimer to talk about it. And, gentlemen, what's been going on audio-wise again this week? We want you just to go off. I'll give you the rundown right now. BYU ranked number one, 15 first-place votes. Long Beach State in second, one first-place vote. We'll find out who that was. Irvine, UCLA, Pepperdine, Stanford, Santa Barbara, Calbap, and Ball State Lewis tied at number nine. I don't see Penn State in here. They're down at number 14. Did you lose the Lee's McCray or something? What happened, Jay? No, no. Listen, before we get started, are we going to talk about your little Harlem shake that you did uh, in that weight room with a motorcycle helmet? That's the main question I want to know right now. Uh, we tried to keep that under the radar. Really? I participated in a Harlem shake at Brick Fitness, yes. Where yeah, yeah. It's on, it is on Facebook. Yeah, it is absolutely glorious. And sure enough, Barney in the middle of, or the, the switch over from the mellow to the insane, is now wearing a motorcycle helmet and dancing like crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and Brian steals the show. The guy in front with the cowboy hat, Brian steals the show. <laughs> it's all part of his contract with motocross here. He would never have done it if it was a volleyball show, but for motocross, he'll do anything. Well, That's again, right. volleyball doesn't have any gear. What the hell am I going to put on for the Harlem Shake? That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, banana hat. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the important things. Let's get off of this. Yeah. All right. Oh, Sondheimer getting a little antsy. Running the show. I love All it. right. BYU and Hawaii. 
Talk to me, Sandy. I'm telling you, all four MPSF matches can be upsets. And the MIVA, who would have thought that Lewis would go out and lose to Ball State and IPFW? There's never been a Midwest champion in a long, long time that had four losses. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I think you're looking at um, outside of Penn State, which is heavily favored in the East, and BYU, which won the conference, which is getting at, at large at the worst. The other two teams, I think, are wide open. And I think I Hawaii agree. is playing great. Hawaii's playing great right now. They got a shot. I mean, Santa Barbara has played really, really well the last month. They got a shot definitely at Irvine. Stanford and Long Beach went a close five last time. And Pepperdine, if, if Marcel Torres can go off, they've got a definite shot. They're playing UCLA in the Wooden Center, which is much more like Firestone Fieldhouse than playing in Poly. Well, let's, let's talk about also Northridge and Hawaii coming down to the wire. And Northridge, two matches that you could consider an upset, one to UOP and the other one to USC, they win any one of those matches, and they're not even, it's not even a discussion anymore about Hawaii. And Hawaii, without their two best players, one of them injured, and one of them, I think, just ended up signing a contract to go play overseas and just up and left. <laughs> they ended up beating UC San Diego with a couple of guys that aren't normally in the lineup, and, you know, get they sneak their way into the finals or the MPSF championship uh, playoffs, and, and you're, they're unfortunately going to see BYU, which I think is going to be a juggernaut. But let's talk about the, others, the other team that I think that is a no. Ball State is the hottest team in the country right now. Definitely. Twelve straight wins. And they aren't wins against teams like Quincy and, and, and you know, maybe, you know, Joe Schmo University. Quality wins against Lewis. Quality wins against Loyola. Quality wins against Ohio State. And, they, and, and beat us at the same time, and they are going into this championship, and unfortunately, they're going to see IPFW, which is also a team that is hot and cold depending on the moment, and has also won some, won some big matches recently. It's going to be an absolutely fun weekend to watch volleyball online, that's for sure. Jay, I don't see you guys in here anywhere. Penn State, you guys got the, uh, the bye there in the EVA? No, no, the EIVA has one more weekend of conference matches, which oh. is going to set up the, the – and we do not have quarterfinals anymore. We just have one weekend of semifinal matches and then championships. Okay. So right now what's going to happen is it's all up to Princeton to, do, uh, to deal with the seeding. If Princeton wins, they will become the number two or three seed, and Harvard will be number four. If Princeton loses – then they will become the number four seed. Otherwise, it's George Mason and us sitting and waiting to see who the switch is going to be between. Mike, can you handicap me a winner right now? Is BYU the prohibitive favorite? I would say the thing is, is not only that they're probably the best team, but there's such a psychological advantage of going and having to play at altitude at Provo, Utah. And for a team like UCLA, if they can beat Pepperdine, which is a great serving team, um, a team like Irvine having to go there also, or Long Beach, it's just really tough. I mean, Stanford, for whatever reason, plays BYU usually pretty well, and it's just a tough place to go play. I mean, I think it would be the same thing if Hawaii was hosting the tournament in a different way, to come over there and try to do that. But BYU at that altitude, and Jay's been through it before, it just it changes your complex, and it's really hard to adjust in a day to come back and play. And BYU with that 5,000-people crowd is just so tough to beat. Yeah, I'd agree with Sandy on that. I think more or less it's the altitude for the body that makes a difference rather than the ball travel. I, I Listen, I know all the studies and I've heard all the research and there's people that talk about, oh, it's a foot difference, it's a two-foot difference. The reality is, is it really doesn't make a difference. It's only a, a ploy to get in your head. How often do you take off to the exact same spot when you are jump serving? It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a way to get in your head to make you think twice and you're throwing the ball in the air. Now, 
That's Jay, how many times has Penn State ever won at BYU? It's not true. Uh, it's, ball. <laughs> it's not true. No, it's, it's very true. It's all psychological. Not for coaches, but for players. It's a mess. You cannot serve the same way at altitude that you can at sea level. It's not Correct. even close. Correct. Correct. Uh, listen, listen, listen. Feed me all the lines you want. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, Jay. Oh, God. Ooh, right now. Yeah, like I say, how many times has Penn State won at BYU with this great psychological coaching you have? I, I don't know. I've only been there once when we've been up there. So, you know, if I've been there longer, who knows? But that's not the point. The point is, is it's just a ploy to get into your brain. That's all it oh. is. I, I love Andrea Becker, but anything she says is not making that ball spin down about five feet earlier than it does at altitude. Uh, again, you can give me all the research you want. It's just in your head. That's all it is. Listen, well, if that weren't the case, have you ever been to the University of Wyoming? When you walk into their gym, there is a sign over the top that says, Welcome to 7,200 and some on feet. How's your air? That, that all they're trying to do is just get into your brain. That's all it is. Uh, yeah, I, okay. I love them. They're, they're into my brain then. <laughs> you believe what you want to believe. I don't believe it. I think. Yeah, I played nine years there. It's it's not even remotely similar. The moment you step down into sea level, that serving game is is incredibly different. It doesn't make a huge deal otherwise, but serving wise, and since the game has gone to a serving and receiving game, it makes a huge difference in your ability to drop the ball or hit the ball hard. All I'm, uh, there's two points I want to make here. First of all, to answer your question, Sandy, Vinny has stated that we are 9-10 and 10 all-time against BYU. So, that being said, at BYU, coaches are charting their serves and finding balls to go out six to nine inches longer. That's what Robbie <laughs> says. Six to nine inches. I mean, really? Are we really concerned over six to nine inches? Let's see, Let's BYU see. versus Stanford, that's seven aces, eight Pause. errors. Stanford versus BYU, two aces, nine errors. And that's on, and that's, an, that's on a good night. Yeah. The only, the only people who are concerned about six to nine inches are females. That is it. Can you say that in this kind of a show? No. And we've lost of course I can. <laughs> all right. So you guys have gone through them all. It sounds like the MPSF, there isn't a non-critical matchup in there. BYU and Hawaii, pick the winner, boys. BYU. Yeah, I got to go with BYU. Good on Hawaii for getting in. Uh, you kind of backdoored it. I just don't think they've got any more gas in the tank. I think BYU takes that one. Next, you see Irvine against Santa Barbara. Sorry. Go ahead, Jay. All right, I'll go. I- I'm going to pick UCI. We just saw them this past weekend. Uh, Tilly and Kyle Russell uh, sort of lights out. And, uh, you know, I just think that they're uh, – I think right now they're the team to beat. I'd actually have them a little bit better than, uh, than BYU. So I'm going to go with UCI on that one in four. I like UCI. UCI is playing really well right now, especially if you can crush Penn State and get them home in an hour and a half. That's pretty impressive. Ooh, all right. Son, dude, that's brutal. Long Beach State and Stanford. This one could be interesting. Sonny, you choose this one first. I think Alan Knipe is the coach of the year right now in the country for what he's done, the way he's brought Taylor Crabb along, the way Albright's come along, et cetera. I'm going with Long Beach. Yeah, you know, this is the one where the upset could happen. Stanford's had some time off and, and had a couple of rough patches there. You know, my heart is saying that uh, – or, or my head is saying that Long Beach State is the team – I'm going to pick the upset, and I'm going to wipe the uh, the brown stuff off of Sandy's nose from Alan Knight, but I'm going to say Stanford in five. Probably wow. going to go five one way or the other. That's wow, Stanford <laughs> in five and brown stuff on Sandy's face. That's not good. Uh, okay, UCLA <laughs> and Pepperdine. 
Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Sean, do we know who you're picking? So you want me just to go? Go ahead. Okay. I, listen, I like Pepperdine. They're a nice young team. They kind of remind me a little bit of, of, of our team in terms of youth, uh, but their execution skills may be a little better at times. However, I just think UCLA, they, they've got Pep's number this year. I think they beat them both times in three, regardless of the location and their home. And because you guys are hosting the finals, I'm going to say UCLA. I'm going to say it's a little tougher than most. It's only going to go four, UCLA. Great. I have a question for Jay, though, before we go off. Um, do you consider Irvine the best-serving team you've faced this year? Um, you know, that's, that's probably a pretty good uh, a pretty good one. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say yes. Without question. All right, Irvine, when they went to BYU, one A's 15 airs to go with my altitude thing. I like the research right there. And I have another question for you, gentlemen. I I just got through hearing how the MPSF is a toss up and Ripe was upset, and we have one upset pick, and it's in five. Everyone else, you pick the. We're, the saying, we're saying anything's possible, oh. Kevin. Anything's possible. Okay. All right, can we pick the Miva? Since we don't have an yes. E. <laughs> do we just call it Loyola and Lewis? Lewis, right Loyola. Now? Yes. No. And then Listen, Ball State's the hot team. We'll see. All right, here it Ohio is. State. Ohio State versus Grand Canyon. I'm going to go with Ohio State in four. Grand Canyon's a nice, improving team. Ohio State's going to take that one. Loyola versus Quincy. I do not believe that Quincy is going to pull an upset like they did last year. Loyola's got that one. The big one, and Sonny, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Ball State IPSW. Again, Ball State, hottest team in the country right now. 12 straight wins. IPSW hot and cold, but when they're hot, they're playing really, really good volleyball. I'm going to wait for your call to see if you're right or wrong on that one, Sonny. Well, I'm I'm going to go right now with Ball State because Ball State's a little steadier. IPFW, they they can play, they can really play, but uh, I think that uh, Ball State right now they've got a real nice role going, and they guys they have a shot at winning Miva. That is correct, Sonny. That is absolutely correct. And I'm going to say right now. Thank you. I appreciate that for someone that doesn't see them play regularly. Even a broken clock is right twice a day, Sonny. So, Ball State is going to win because of the play of their opposite, Jamie Martin. The kid got a shot midway through the season, and is doing really nice things for them. But that kid is going to be a handful to deal with. So I'm going to say Ball State in four. Ball State in four. All right, there it is. Uh, I did have one question on on this playoff for the Miva. How does a team like Quincy get a seat in the playoffs when they are one and thirteen in the conference? Because the Miva is the only conference in the country that takes all of its teams into the tournament and gives the first place team a bye out of the first round. And that's why it's like college basketball. Yes, <laughs> just like college basketball. All right. Gentlemen, thanks very much for your contribution. As always, we will watch with eager anticipation the conference tournaments for the MPSF and the MIVA. We will wait on the EVA. And remember, offtheblock.com has an opportunity for you to pick your winners. Pick your bracket. Get on offtheblock.com right now and pick your bracket. Postseason bracket challenge. Yes, I'd Jay. like to make a statement, if I may, about the ADP. Can I chime in for a second about that? I, I was going to call earlier, but I thought maybe I'd wait till it was my we time. We have Ryan Darty coming up. He will listen to your comments and then react. Okay. okay. Here's my thought process about how this whole ADP or just beach in general should be played. Let the FIVB have it. Let them run a worldwide tour, kind of like the ATP in tennis. 
you have four or five majors on each continent. Maybe you have one in Switzerland or Europe. You have one in Brazil. You have one in Australia. You have one in, in the Asian countries. And then you have one in, uh, in Manhattan. Those are all the majors. And then you have a lot of satellite events in which the AVP can be the tour sponsor for that or the NVL or whatever. Those winners all get points to become qualifiers to go to the AVP or to the, uh, to the FIBB major events. I don't understand how that would be such a different model other than tennis. I think it can be used the same way. That's my thought process. Mike got sick of hearing your thoughts. <laughs> Mike took off. I appreciate your opinion, Jay. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank right. you, Jay. You're welcome, guys. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good. College Volleyball Weekly. Good luck. For another week with Jay and Mike picking uh, all the favorites except Jay's <laughs> Stanford. So looking Nothing wrong with picking Stanford. Favorites. I don't see how you pick an upset. I don't see how uh, – you have Quincy picking off Loyola. They've won one conference match all year, so I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. See so what happens. All right. Then our next guest, right? Oh, we're, we do. We're cruising right along, and then we'll get back to Jeremy getting upset. <laughs> that's the old man. Upset. I like how he jumped right in. We, we didn't even talk do about it. it. He's going to do, do it. He's the best-looking beach volleyball player over seven feet on any tour, if you ask me. <laughs> Last year, he arrived hot on the scene from Tom's River, New Jersey. Came out of baseball, where he was a relief pitcher. Went to Notre Dame. South Bend, Indiana, with Casey Patterson, won three events, two on the uh, Jose Cuervo IMG Tour, one at the Preakness in Baltimore this season with the partner Shuffle switched up and is playing with someone you may have heard of. Of course, the professor, Todd Rogers, is now the professor of Avatar, Ryan Doherty. Hello, Ryan, and welcome. What's up? What's up, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Ryan, let's just jump right into it. I mean, you have a uh, a largely followed blog, at least, you know, the three of us follow it. So that I think it's largely followed for the demographic that you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, and that's you, three more than I was looking for. So I'm stoked. <laughs> and you have not been quiet about your stance on this week in beach volleyball. Why don't you just uh, start us off with that? Uh, I mean, I'm super excited that the AVP announced their schedule. Uh, I've moved out to California to play on the AVP tour. Uh, I couldn't be happier with, you know, the five events that they got on there. And uh, I think it's going to be great for the fans, great for the players, and just great for the sport in general. Uh, I'm, I'm as happy as I could be. You uh, came onto the, to the scene last year coming out of baseball. You just said kind of moved out to join uh, or to, to look at the AVP. Give us a little more background. What was – you know, what was the process of completing your baseball career, starting your volleyball career? How did it go? And it, it's been fast and furious. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a fun little path for me. Uh, basically, I played in the minor leagues for the Arizona Diamondbacks outside of, co- out of, out of college. Uh, I was having the time of my life, you know, playing professional baseball. Uh, it took about three seasons, and I got released, uh, which means I now didn't, you know, I wasn't a baseball player anymore. So uh, I went and lived with a good friend of mine. I lived on his couch in South Carolina. Uh, we found a beach volleyball court really close to his house. And uh, we decided to learn to play. And every weekend we got beat on by high school girls and the local DJ who was like 5'6". But uh, I was having the time of my life. absolutely loved it. And that's kind of when I fell in love with the sport. And I fell in love with AVP and uh, eventually decided that, you know, if I'm going to make a go of this, I need to move out to California and give it a try. I drove out here about three years ago. Uh, was lucky enough to, you know, find some good people to practice with and catch Casey, Casey Patterson's eye last year. And uh, now I get to play with uh, some hack who did okay in 2008. What a hack. <laughs> what a hack. 
like I said, and I actually posted the blog website, which is just ryan-doherty.com, in the chat room for those of you that are uh, following there. And, and like I said, the last couple postings really hot on what we were talking about in the first hour of the show, which was the AVP and the, the conflicts. If you can, I mean, you have some experience with both tours. Um, you know, sum it up, if you can, briefly in terms of, I know you, you've written some pages on this, so w where do you stand on that? Uh, basically, I think that uh, the sport is going to be better if we have one tour that is the pro tour. I believe that if we have one strong domestic pro tour that gives one, all the players a chance to realize what it's going to be, what you need to do to be a professional. You know, if you want to be a professional, you need to play on the professional tour. Uh, I mean, if we counted everybody who made money, then uh, the Great American Volleyball Tour, the EVP Tour, the tours in Arizona and Florida and New Jersey would all be considered professional tours. And nobody would have any idea how to, you know, become a true professional beach volleyball player. And fans would have no idea how to follow their favorite players. Uh, by having, you know, one solid domestic tour, uh, we can have a, have a really good shot at, you know, building a fan base and getting TV exposure and doing all the things that would really help us, you know, become a better, uh, you know, more popular sport. Uh, and, you know, I have my own personal reasons for, for not wanting to play in NVL, and I don't want to, you know, say anything. Uh, negative about them just because I'm not a huge fan. Uh, but uh, in terms of the prize money, it, it hasn't been there to be, you know, professional level in the past three years. So I think we need to start embracing the AVP as the potential will do that. Ryan, Kevin here. You had good success last year on the Cuervo Tour. If the Cuervo Tour was still around today, would you try and play on that tour in addition to the AVP? Uh, you know, you have to kind of see where it's at and if it's, you know, if they're going to continue to raise the prize money, like the uh, Cuervo Tour had went from, I think, three events to six events, uh, but then they brought their prize money down in those three, in those six events. Uh, I don't think that that's going to necessarily lead towards more people being professional beach volleyball players. Uh, I think if we have, you know, uh, a few events with higher prize money and more exposure, that's going to be better off for the players and better off for the fans. I mean, when's the last time the fans got to watch the number one team in the country play? It was on the ABC tour, you know? Uh, and uh, I think that's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we need. How different has the organization of volleyball been versus baseball in making that transition? Are there any ideas you could port over from baseball to this sport? Uh, in terms of the physical, almost nothing corresponds. You know, there's no jumping and pitching at all. The uh, My, you know, arm slot for pitching is a lot different than an arm swing is for volleyball. Uh, the only thing that I really was able to carry over was the idea of how to train, how to practice, and how to kind of deal with failure. Uh, baseball, there's 140 games in the minor league season. Uh, so you're going to go through streaks where, uh, you know, I went through a streak where I gave up a run every outing for uh, a month. Uh, so that's a month of being an unsuccessful pitcher, and that's a tough thing to kind of get over in your head. So uh, in terms of physical, I didn't learn much in terms of, course, uh, you know, being a better volleyball player, but I kind of learned how to get out of my own head every once in a while and uh, compete the right way. What have you learned from your short, albeit short time com comparatively, with uh, with Todd? Oh, Todd, uh, how much have I learned from him? Jeez, he's He's standing right here. We just got done our track workout, so I can't I can't badmouth him too much. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I've learned. You know, it's one of those things that you don't realize how much you don't know about a game until you start playing it more and more. Uh, 
so just kind of picking his brain and asking him some questions and, you know, uh, sharing how many times he answers one of my questions was, uh, well, that depends, you know, because, uh, you know, volleyball is such a free-flowing game and it all kind of depends on what the hitter's doing and what you're doing. So uh, I definitely think that I'm getting better blocking-wise and I'm learning better technique and then just having a better understanding of, uh, you know, how the game works. Todd did definitely help you along because the first time he appeared on this show, he was doing dishes at the time. We don't hear any background noise from you, so that's good that there has been some learning there. Hey, uh, what's been the most difficult skill for you to learn and to master so far? What are you really focused on? Uh, skills for me are the, the the ones that I need to work on most, are the ones that aren't, you know, benefited by being seven feet tall. You know, uh, things like hitting and things like blocking uh, come easier to the bigger guys. That's, you know, for, for obvious reasons. Uh, but in terms of, you know, passing the ball, setting the ball, and those are things where it doesn't help the fact, you know, the, that I'm gigantic. You know, you still have to learn the right, right technique. You still have to learn to read the ball well. Uh, so that's what I tend to focus on most. You know, if I could uh, – you know, control the ball like a six-foot guy and then play like a seven-foot guy, I think I'll be in a real good spot. What are you doing on the track work out there? Uh, aside from crying, uh, we do some uh, running, some uh, plyometric stuff on the stairs. We do some medicine ball stuff, some weight vest stuff, uh, some, you know, uh, I tend to mix in more sets of crying than Todd does, but uh, overall it's a pretty intense workout, and I'm glad you guys uh, got me a little break in the middle of it. Ryan, this is Dustin again, and, and we're wondering what can you share with us in terms of your goals, both personally and as a team, as, as Doherty Rogers this year and, and into the future as well? You know, uh, Todd is really, really big on setting goals. Uh, he is, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons he's been as successful as he has. He, he set short-term goals and long-term goals. Uh, my goal, uh, as long as I play beach volleyball, is to see how good I can get. Uh, and I, I know that's not good for, you know, finding a quantitative goal, but that's what I want to do. I just want to be the best volleyball player that I can be. Uh, so for me, my, my goals coming into this year are to, you know, ask as many questions and to learn as much from Raji as I possibly can, uh, to compete at a higher level against a lot of different teams and kind of develop my game that way. And then uh, just to have some fun. I mean, this is going to be a pretty cool experience for me. I've I've been out of the country once to the Cayman Islands this year, so that was my first ever stamp on the passport. And uh, now I leave for China on Friday. So it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be a bit of a trip, and I'm really looking forward to it. Somebody was being funny on the chat board just put down that one of your primary goals should be fundraising, and that led me to my next question of sponsorship. How has last year impacted your sponsorship situation this year, and how has the partnership with Todd Rogers impacted your sponsorship and financial situation as a professional athlete? Now, the sponsorship situation is great because I don't have any, so I can kind of do whatever I want. Uh, no, uh, I have a sponsor. Uh, RaiseBig.com has been my sponsor. Uh, they're the first ever sponsor that I have, and they're going to be a sponsor forever because they're really good guys, and it's a really great website. Uh, aside from that, uh, I'm not getting any money from anybody. Uh, I blame my face because, obviously, my body looks phenomenal. That, that should be letting me some sponsors, but... Uh, I'm not really too worried about that. I make enough, uh, you know, I saved enough money from last year and, uh, you know, I have a pretty low income lifestyle. So, uh, you know, whatever money I make is great. Uh, and if some sponsors come along, that's awesome, but it's not anything I'm going to lose any sleep over. Did Todd get a new couch or did he have one that was plus seven feet? <laughs> <laughs> he had, uh, you know, he has the guest house in the back, but, uh, unfortunately somebody's already living there. So, uh, and they didn't have any bunk beds. So I was on my own. <laughs> 
<laughs> if, if you want to become a Ryan Doherty sponsor, check out RaiseBig.com where where you can uh, participate in some in some fundraising activity. Absolutely, or put up a campaign of your own, and I'll donate to that. Absolutely. So, Ryan, one question that we had with all the oh here and there the the AVP, the NVL, the IMG, Jose Cuervo. What's the, the situation as you understand it with Manhattan right now? Uh, Manhattan, I believe the rights to Manhattan is going to be with IMG. And, and again, I'm not really too privy on all this information with how that's going to work. Uh, but from what I understand, that they are going to try to run the Manhattan Open. They've got a contract with the city to run it. So uh, I'm, you know, hopeful and keeping, uh, you know, uh, keeping my fingers crossed that they actually run that tournament. But uh, I can't speak too intelligently about it one way or the other. Ryan, if guys want to see you play, if folks want to tune in and watch you play, where are you going to be playing? You mentioned you're going to China here to kick off the season. Right, right. So uh, the first couple tournaments are going to be in China. There's an Open in uh, Fozhou and then a Grand Slam in Shanghai uh, the next two weeks. Uh, after that, there's going to be a Grand Slam in Argentina that I believe me and Raji just signed up for. Uh, past that, it's kind of hard to figure out, you know, exactly which one of the, you know, FIVB events we're going to be going to. Uh, but I definitely will be playing in all the AVP events. So if, uh, if there, anybody's looking to watch me and Raji, uh, you know, in, in the United States, you know, hit up uh, any of the any of the AVP events in, you know, Salt Lake City or Cincinnati, I think St. Petersburg. Santa Barbara is going to be a fun one, you know, my new home beach, and then uh, Huntington Beach, my old home beach. All right, Ryan Doherty is now a professional beach volleyball player. He is nine and a half feet tall, and you hopefully will be to see him play this year. Ryan, thanks very much for uh, spending some time with us, and good luck. Don't barf or cry anymore this morning. Uh, will do, and sorry I couldn't drop any of those six to nine inches lines like the guy in front of me. He, he definitely won in terms of the interview. <laughs> very good. Ryan Doherty, thanks very much. Take it easy, guys. All right, Ryan Doherty checking in for, live from the track there uh, by East Beach, somewhere in the Santa Barbara area, working with the professor. If he keeps playing with Todd and keeps letting people know the personality that he has and also being eight feet tall, he's going to get sponsors. I hope so. Uh, we were disheartened to learn last year that Todd and Phil didn't really have a ton of sponsors. They didn't have a clothing sponsor for sure. Loud enough? Well, then they picked up Loudmouth. That was after we had spoken. Maybe it was a year and a half ago now. Uh, I continue to be disappointed in the amount of sponsors the athletes have, and that's not disappointment in the athlete. That's disappointment in the situation. That's where the sport is. Yeah. So, anyways. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. We'll have more of Jeremy's anger. We'll also have some reaction to the Ryan Doherty interview, uh, as well as other things that have gone on in the world of sport. The Net Live is not over on a Monday. Still more to come.
Timberlake. Back. Timberlake where? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Kevin, sorry. Is this a new Timberlake song? Yep. Not Suit and Tie. Not, not I don't like Suit and Tie. I'm not down with it. Which one is this? Mirrors. Let the groove get in. Mirrors is another one too, right? That's correct. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Appreciate you tuning in on a Monday and appreciate you supporting the show by buying a shirt. We only have a couple of shirts left. That's it. Valaclothing.com. V-A-L-A clothing.com. Thanks to Spire Institute as well as Hurley for their support of the program. And, of course, the ABCA, the American Volleyball Coaches Association, sponsoring a couple of segments today. Uh, we don't want to spend the entire rest of the show on the AVP. Why not? Well, I suppose we could. What else you got? I don't know. We had the bracket challenge on Off the Block. We had the Lakers. Uh, it was snowing in Minneapolis this week. I saw your photo. Yeah. Hi, thanks, Spring. It was like eight inches of snow on the ground. <laughs> I get Welcome in, to Minneapolis. Yeah. I get to Minneapolis. It is cold, cloudy, and there's snow on the ground. Then it starts snowing. And so what were you there for? I was there for Supercross. Drink. Yep. Allegedly. Set it up. Uh, it tried to, allegedly, yeah. <laughs> tried to hook up with Hugh McCutcheon, but he was on a trip to Iowa. Iowa. Uh, I did... Uh, I did correspond with him quite a bit back and forth, though, and uh, hopefully they can enjoy some springtime there soon. My gosh. Mm, great. All right, so now back to Bali? Yeah, back to Bali. Okay. Well, also, I can. I do, I do want to touch on one thing. I was thinking about the Tiger scandal or the Tiger scandal? conversation that we had earlier about breaking the rules. So how and I was trying to stupid. equate it to um, – I was thinking about in Bali. Like, how many times have you been blocking and claimed you didn't touch the ball? When you actually did like, every every time every time every right? time and no touch no, ref nobody calls in Absolutely. and goes actually um, I saw Kevin touch that ball so it should be a point for the other team well and after the match too now with TV <laughs> and stuff like that like a player will be like well yeah because you saw it on replay yeah I touched it yeah. if it's online you just get on the chat board he touched it we yeah. just saw it on replay well, we saw that yeah. yeah yeah you should be able to tweet the referees right Bert Fuller with it in his pocket oh referee uh, we we have a moment yeah Let's, we have an overturn to, from the crowd if you want to take human error out of everything then it all needs to be computerized right. Or else there's gonna be there's gonna be human error and just deal with it. Speaking It'll be of like human the Jetsons error. or something. Which, Speaking of a, the robots on the corners. Of human error, back to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, satisfy your rant? Are you done, or you have more? Yeah, hey, I don't have any more rants. I've, I've said everything I feel like I need to say. And honestly, if anybody would like to discuss it with me or has issues, because I have lots of friends on the beach that have issues with anything I say, yeah. Email me at Jeremy J E R E M Y. At valaentertainment.com. And let's talk about it. I'm all for talking about it. No, we That's V-A-L-A Entertainment. We're kind of the point of the show. Well, yeah. we had a couple of callers, and, and even if they disagreed with you, they were Which is fine. Which respectful is... And, and got their opinions across, yeah. and you you didn't, you didn't weren't upset about it. I hope I'm wrong with some of the things I feel today. If yeah. you thought of anything, 347-677-1525 over the intervening interviews, if you thought of something that you need to express on beach volleyball or something else or about just how you're unhappy with Jeremy and his declaration that <laughs> make the tombstone pro beach volleyball is uh, on its way into the grave. I thought about giving my phone number out, but everybody who knows me should have my phone number, so if they need to call me, you can call me. I give out my phone number when I did the USC Trojans.com webcast all the time so that the three people that were listening could text me. Nice. It was awesome. And did they text you? Yeah, a couple times. Sweet. <laughs> Mostly parents and whatnot. But, Why aren't you talking about my son enough? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cause, because he's, cause he's not playing. And people are still texting me now. They're like, they're like, um, AVP scheduled it on purpose over the NVL. The answer is yes. 
Yes. Obviously. I mean, that, that shouldn't be a surprise. Probably, right? Yeah. I, Not probably. I wasn't in the yeah. room. You I wasn't in the yeah. room when it was discussed. I would, if I had to bet money, I well, would we had, bet money. There are no volleyball events in April, May, June, or July, basically, right? Yeah. Well, There's virtually nothing. June is the first day. FIVB, I guess you could say. Okay. Domestic June. Domestically, I there's NBL Tex- might have I think a couple. Texas right. in June. There's very little in those three or four main months of what was the beach volleyball calendar. All, but I don't think ABP's that's a had a year to plan, and they end up twice on top of the NVL on their right. fall program. And, and that is not an accident, and, and, and nor do I fault Donald for doing so. Texas championships, NVL, yeah. and, and a June. To answer the question on the message board, NVL had announced their schedule first. And I've told this to Albert, and I wouldn't tell everybody who uses social media. If you post at 3 o'clock in the morning and think that's your press release, nobody's going to see it. So, yeah, your schedule may have been out first, but not everybody knows it. There was a, a larger audience having Kerry on the Today Show. Correct. Definitely. Uh, then. Than any sort of post. And if people don't know, only eight to ten million more. And if beach fans don't know if the NBL put their schedule out first, then the NBL needs to look at that and be like, okay, what can we do better? What do we need to do to make sure everybody knows that we have put our schedule out? Besides our show, correct. Which anyone discussed? That was my point earlier. The NBL and AVP being on top of each other. A media outlet, you mean? That was my point earlier. Even Tom Burke. Nothing. Radio silence. That was my point earlier, Kevin. Yeah. I don't know how you. But let's fast forward. How does this play out? What do you what do you what do you see happening? You want a prediction for me? Yeah, I want a prediction. People aren't going to like my prediction. No, People nobody are. likes you anyway. <laughs> yes, it sounded so like Eater right there. I'm not going to lie to you. Man, you want to be in the intro? <laughs> I'm on the outro. I want to be on the outro. You want to be my late? Say Vandalay Industries. Say Vandalay Industries. Yeah, how does this play out? Well. Like I said, I think unfortunately, three years ago when this happened in 2010, when the AVP went under and beach volleyball kind of went into this netherworld, I thought in three years someone would rise up. I thought it would take three years for it to clarify who was the winner, whether it was IMG, NVL, USAV on their own, somebody, whoever it was going to be, AVP again, whatever. I increasingly think it's going to be the CBPA, which isn't a professional discussion, or it's going to be the one-off, Todd Goronsky, yeah. uh, Mario Chickenelli. I say his last name, or he's even involved anymore in the Cincinnati uh, place. I think you're going to move more towards oh, that beach. model. Yeah, more towards that model where you have established venues, Motherload uh, with Leon Fell. I think you're going to have those established tournaments be the rough portions of if you wanted to take yourself on a tour, you could tour those things. Um, I I personally think it's possible USAV could have their own scheduling, their own programming for a qualification process, but none of that would happen until a few months out. And that would probably be based on Norseca points and FIVB points earned by representing the United States, either via part of the national team or on FIVB. Domestically, for a professional tour, I got to think at this point, at some point, the money behind the NVL gets bored and needs to go somewhere else. And I got to think eventually Donald gets bored and eventually decides to go somewhere else with the and do something else besides the AVP. Uh, I, I think today, if you ask those guys if they're going to be committed uh, to moving it forward, however long it takes, they're going to say that. They're yeah. going to say, yes, we're in 100% until they're not. And I just don't see how without a model change, without some sort of massive economic change, without some sort of uh, 
way to infuse cash into these tour events that you're going to be able to cover even a small event, even putting in a couple hundred grand for permit fees, set up, tear down, trash, uh, staff, everything else for a weekend, plus pay the players the amount of prize money they want. You heard that was on Ryan Doherty's mind, amount of prize money. Players need money in order to continue playing. I don't see how right now with the models and the economy, you can possibly cover it on a regular basis and make it cash flow positive if you're the promoter. So you agree then with with what Jeremy started off with, which is the death rattle. I think the death rattle of that professional model. We still have a couple people trying to do that particular model. And I don't think that it's uh that it's viable. I don't think it works anymore. I think it, if it, not, don't it think barely it worked. It, if it worked, IMG okay. would still be there. It yes. doesn't work. It doesn't That's work. That's the bottom line. If it worked, they wouldn't have gone under in 2010. I'll stick to what I said back in 2012 or 2011 when IMG got into it. If IMG cannot make money at this, no one else can. Agreed. Period. I don't think there's a smarter entity with more resources or more experience in event promotion than IMG. And I think we make fun of it and it kind of gets... <clears throat> Sorry, kind of gets glazed over a little bit. But when we're looking at old volleyball magazine issues, and it is literally word for word saying exactly what is happening now. The sport needs to do this. This business model doesn't work. Change only the names. The owners are changing. USAB needs to do this. If it's the same thing keeps happening over and over again, why do we expect at the next Olympics that beach volleyball will be in a good position? What's the definition of... People make if, if people can't. The only reason why, and I like Ryan Doherty. Just I don't think he's been around long enough to realize the broader picture. Yes, maybe the AVP being back is great for the sport. Maybe it'll turn into something bigger than it is, and maybe the players will all be able to make a living. The only reason any of these guys are going to make money on the AVP is because Donald is writing them checks basically out of his pocket. Right. Not because the sport is making money, not because of any of that. If look at the Houston Astros. The entire team is making less money than A-Rod because they don't have money to pay those players because the owner's like, I'm not going to give you money out of my pocketbook. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. So if you ask it is, me – It is not a professional tour if someone is simply writing you a check out of their personal account. If you ask – exactly. Dustin, if you ask me where I think the sport's going to be – Yeah. What's your prediction? Well, I've already said that. doesn't have I, to be a – I, I, like I said, I think we're in the death rattle, and people can disagree with that, and that's fine. So when you say that, do you I mean that, mean that it will never come back? Like yes. there will never be another professional beach I volleyball player? I think within 10 years, there will be no such thing as a pro beach volleyball tour. Domestically? Domestically. I'd and like to, I'd I'd like to argue the other true. side of that, but I, I, I really hope can't argue the other side of that. Because how many guys with money willing to put it in can you find? Yeah. And it may not – we may not – there may not be a show in four years to talk about beach because – it may not make it to the next Olympics. Domestically. Domestically. It'll make it to the Olympics. Domestically, it may not. Yes. In the United States, it may not make it to the next the Olympics. The tour. Yeah. A tour. Because, again, if <clears throat> players will, if the sport is back, which I, I'm gonna, I don't know what I can do to get people to stop saying that. If the sport is back, where are the people with the money that want to get involved? Besides Donald. Besides cool. Albert. Besides. And a pre-existing Wilson contract. Well, and we Correct. went through this in 2010, which was... If you're a businessman with a successful career and a boatload of money, there's a reason that you're a successful businessman with a boatload of money. And the way that you got there was not by burying money into 
investments that have failed three times in the past six years. Correct. <laughs> or paying someone to show up who does not generate revenue. Right. And if what all it's not these, how you get rich. And if what everybody has been saying, past players, past owners, that Pro Beach Volleyball in the United States has never, ever, ever been profitable. They've always like either come out even or lost money. Why would you invest in that? Never. Even in the heyday. Not one time ever. Even so, in the heyday. Is there anything wrong then with you have this growing high school, college, CBVA, whatever you want to call it, right. um, programs. You have some USAV um, or whatever the – I imagine it's USAV that has some sort of selection. With national team program. National team program, exactly. You have some national team program that plucks a handful of those players, preps them for international competitions with some sort of stipend with training facilities, and that's what beach volleyball is. There's basically – six to ten athletes on men and women's side that are training to compete internationally, and that's it. And everybody else that plays beach volleyball is kind of your weekend warrior, you know, like the rest of us. Somebody's going to pick up somewhere and say that the, the net lies of guys on the show don't like beach volleyball. Let's be clear. Furthest thing from the truth for me. We'd like to see this thing be successful. The only reason I'm here is because I like beach volleyball. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I'm so upset about all this is because I like beach volleyball. I want to see this thing be successful, but I think we're going through a model change. And I think in a few years' time, those players coming out of all that grassroots growth that Justin just mentioned, all the collegiate sand success that's going on now, all the, the growth of participation, all those things are happening. CBVA is healthy, right, as an as a amateur organization. All of that stuff is going to feed into a national team, and that national team is going to be where athletes want to go. They're going to want to be a part of the national team, and that's going to be the top level of beach volleyball in the United States is joining that national team. You won't have the independent people making money. You won't have the Misties, the Carries, the Phil, the Todds. You won't have those people out there as an entity among themselves making money as a professional beach volleyball player by going to these different tours. You're just going to join the national team. You're going to play on the FIVB. You're going to take home your prize money from that. You might get some sponsorship dollars or some offset through the national team, but very little. No individual sponsorship, though, in that model, right? What are you producing? Tell me today no, I'm not, what, I'm just, what you're, what you're from, providing. No, I'm not saying you are, but from an individual athlete perspective, I want to try to, today, I want to try to capitalize on myself, right, on my own brand as a Misty, Carrie, Todd, Whatever. Which is understandable. So yeah, so I'm saying I'm just asking, are you in, in your in that description, are you taking that away, that option? Because it will not exist because of the sport. It may happen because of the Olympics. If you are right. one of the two or three athletes that comes out of the Olympics as the hero, Ryan Lochte, for example. No. If you come out as the hero or the crazy personality and you were like Carrie and you end up on the Today Show because you're Carrie, not because you're a volleyball player, right. but because you're Carrie the Olympian. That may happen, but that's going to happen through a national team program. The days of it being people know who Karch is or Sinjin is or Stoklos is because of the AVP, because of some professional organization that is not the national team, I think that's over. I don't think businesses put money into that now. I don't think they get a return out of putting Randy Stoklos's huge face on a billboard Fila. in Cicero, Chicago, wearing Fila shorts and killer loop glasses. I don't think they get anything out of that now. Not in today's media environment, and that's no fault of the sport necessarily, other than it does not fit into today's media environment. How do other countries do it, like Brazil? I imagine they have a – I know that we've talked to Pri. Mm -hmm. They have a pretty uh, – I mean, obviously, the beach volleyball is huge there. Is it different because it's Brazil? Yeah. 
Well, it feeds itself, right? Because this is an, an issue where it feeds itself and you keep moving up or it eats itself and you keep moving down. Uh, I think Brazil, they still, it's a different environment. I can't speak to the media environment of Brazil, but obviously it's a different environment for the sport of volleyball. They have successful professional leagues where people, business people are involved the way they are in the NFL or in uh, maybe maybe baseball or, or uh, hockey. Hockey might be a better example. I mean, volleyball in Brazil, to my understanding, has gotten to the point where it's almost bigger. It's bigger than basketball, and in some cases is challenging soccer in it's a lot of ways. It's also part of their lifestyle more, though, than it is our lifestyle here. True. Going to an indoor game, even, is part of their lifestyle. 100%. Like cheering for your team, your volleyball team in your city. But you come out the womb with a ball in your hand, <laughs> whether it's uh, football Whatever. Soccer. Yeah. I've seen Brazilian guys on tour spike with their heads. Yeah. Spike. Engineer. Yeah. Take driven balls off their pecs on yeah. purpose. Jockeys to play. Yep. On purpose. Perfect set. Off your chest. I, I think it paints a pretty bleak picture of what we used to have here for that. But, hey, sports leagues come and go. Sports leagues for different sports come and go. It's not a constant and it's not a given that, that you're going to have that opportunity. Well, especially to to echo what Ryan was saying competing sports leagues, right? Look at the USFL and the NFL and the NBA and the ABA. Like one always seems to well, Kevin, IRL and cart. Right? Kevin one always seems to eat almost the other killed one. off open wheel racing. Yeah. Kevin said that too when um we had basically three tours after the ABP went under that one year is like yeah. one tour Four basically has to win. Yeah. In order for the sport to survive. One ring to rule them all. One, like, you know, like, and you brought up, like, somebody could be a feeder league, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But there has to be, like, that one top. There has to be a Or else there's going to be market confusion. Like we said. Correct. Yep. I hear you. One ring to rule them all. That was on TV yesterday <laughs> for, like, five hours. How do you watch The Lord of Rings for five hours? Anyways. Uh, it wants it. It it. Oh, boy. You kind of look like it doesn't look like all of them a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I, again, if the sport is so healthy, like I keep getting text messages from people <laughs> and other people who are on the show saying healthy that the sport is healthy, sure it could be healthy Grass in the roots. lower ranks for yeah. sure. Yeah. But if it's so healthy, if we're at the top of our sport again, where's all the outside media coverage talking about all the drama that's going on right now? How um, come uh, PTI doesn't have a segment on it? Well, unfortunately, exactly. Unfortunately, it's reminding me right now that we're having this conversation like soccer. It's reminding me of soccer, where every four years in the World Cup, and, and to a lesser extent, the Olympics, the USA performs well, and everybody follows the national team, and you'll go to a, a bar at 4 a.m. because it's being played in South Africa live, and that's the only way you can see it, and it'll be packed. You'll everybody, listen to Vuvuzelas. Yeah, everybody will be there, and they'll love it, and then everybody says, this is the year when soccer hits the U.S., and we've got a a fairly successful professional league, at least the MLS has been around for a while now, but soccer in, in youth, right? The grassroots, it's one of the most played sports by kids. Do your kids play soccer? I played it. Yeah. I, I mean, played it for 10 plus years. Exactly. Love All it. kids Hate play AYSO, but it, for some reason it doesn't, it doesn't trend through to professional league or even to following at the well, professional and, level. And now, Few years later, you go in your your closet, you pull out your bag to go travel, and your vuvuzela falls over that you bought, and you yeah. thought that was going to be awesome. Right. Let me ask you this: What sport is bigger in the United States, soccer or volleyball? Participation-wise, yes. I believe. I think I think soccer is bigger. Okay. I believe that. Where does soccer then rank from, like basketball, football, baseball, in the rings of sports in the United States? 
Well, MLS? How do you judge? Are we talking about MLS? I'm just talking about participation. Yeah. As a lifestyle, like growing up as a kid. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's what it falls down to is like you don't come out the womb with a volleyball in your hand. No, you come out with a football, a baseball, or a basketball. Everything else falls after that. And the fact that we're still trying to sell the lifestyle of the sport, it's not working. Yeah. Well, it's it's another thing is that participation doesn't necessarily breed success in that sport. Like I never played football growing up, but you watch it, watch it intensely, right? And and a lot right, of people. But the are reverse that is true for soccer exactly. and volleyball. People don't watch, but they do. They, they definitely play. do participate. Yeah. Even adult leagues are full of volleyball and soccer players. Full, right. right? But people don't spectate it. No, and as Jeremy said, if they do play, sometimes they're like, I don't want to go pay and watch the tournament. I should be able to walk down to the beach and see somebody playing. I yeah, don't, I don't. Need Former to... players too. I don't want to pay. Well, and football cuts into bucks. that. Yeah, right. Because you only have limited time, so you're going to watch football culturally with everybody, or you're going right. to watch. No one's coming over to watch a volleyball match. Unless they're your volleyball friends. Well, well people, a lot of people will come over to watch a football game. Well, I'll people, come over and watch a volleyball match. Yeah. People talk about it doesn't translate well on TV. And I, I don't necessarily think that. I think some of it is it looks too easy because you played with a beach volleyball in high school and you think you're good at it. So these players make it look extremely easy. But then I get back to the old school guys who are like, oh, well, it was so good back in the day when they had big court and no antennas. You know why they changed yeah. it to a smaller court and antennas? Because it wasn't that exciting. Right. That's why it changed. Yeah. So stop, talk, so stop talking about it. I have one comment on that that was brought up when I was talking to some buddies about this this weekend. And it was regarding TV and volleyball. Where are the cameras when you watch a volleyball match on TV? On not, the side. Not from they behind. Need to be on the like, end. On the Adidas side. Dead. Could you imagine watching a tennis match if the yeah. if the cameras were on the net, like where the umpire is? There's no better it, angle it looks for like sure, a video game. Uh, than the one from behind. But it just sounds That's ridiculous. That's why we have that comment. Yeah, but it sounds ridiculous, except... Nobody, you know, we don't do anything to change it, right? And, well, because and if the you people go, that are doing it don't know any different. And if you ever go to a volleyball match, which hopefully all of our listeners do and have, you can tell who knows, you know, their salt about volleyball. Where do all the coaches sit that are scouting? Where do we, where does everybody that's yeah. associated with the game sit? They sit behind, you know, behind the court, not on the sideline. It's because so funny. you can see the play that way. Right. Who would ever want to – I mean – Again, tennis, you see it all the time on TV, every weekend practically, whether it's a Masters Series event or a major. It sounds ridiculous to have a camera on the sideline of a tennis match. All right. During the Olympics, I would yell at the TV because I'd see somebody <laughs> dig it, and I'd yeah. be like, how come, like, Phil, how come you're not going to get that? Yeah. And then I realized it's 20 feet out of bounds because <laughs> of the angle it looked like it was right above Phil's head. Yeah. I just made a short list here, and this is all I can come up with kind of offhand, but I'm I'm sure there are more examples of – the fallacy of success breeding more success when it comes to big events, mm -hmm. World Cup, Olympic Games, those the, types of things. 1994 Women's World Cup, I think it was. Was it soccer? Huge. Huge. Massive. We're going to have a league. And that was that, here, right? I think, that it, I think it was 94. Here? Yeah, I believe no, Rose Bowl. 94 was the men's, so 96 might have been the Maybe it's 96. Women's. That, that middle, so there was some point in the 90s when they had it yeah. at the Rose Bowl, Brandy sold out, people going off the hook, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Brandy Chastain made the penalty kick to win tore it, off tore off the, the shirt, shirt the Nike. Crazy. They did a they, commercial with Kevin Garnett, like everything. Yeah. They started a professional league. Failed. Nothing. Meant nothing. 2008 World Cup. Was that the one we were talking about with the, the men? Yeah. When I was in Chicago doing World League, and we were discussing when we were going to watch the game, I, I my whole day was planned around watching the United States soccer game. Meant nothing. Right. Right? ML, well, maybe MLS. They can give a little boost to MLS. I don't know. That might be not a good example. It's, well, it's still... But they lost money forever, too. 2000, 2004. Softball. Even with Jenny Finch. Yeah. Six feet tall. Super hot. Super hot. Other good performers... 
incredible Olympic success. We're going to start a league. They start a league. They actually split into two different leagues. They fight with two different leagues, neither of which are successful. 2008, beach volleyball. You talked about it earlier. The success that beach volleyball had there meant and nothing. Not, not even beach, just beach, period, dominated the Olympics that year. Right. Dominated. Gone in 2008 without further investment. Definitely gone in 2010, as we all have talked about. Yeah. Indoor volleyball, 1988, coming off a second gold medal. And the NFL promise of an indoor league coming. Yeah. Team Cup volleyball happening, all that other stuff. 1997, as I was coming out of college. You're like, oh, I'm going to put it indoor. Out of 96, they had this professional men's league that was starting up. Never started. I actually played in an exhibition match for... Uh, potential investors there in Colorado Springs, and the ball got served out a lot, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Beach Volleyball 2012, Misty Carey, third Olympics, undefeated, lost one set in Olympic play, incredible, Carey crying on the Today Show. And what does it mean for Beach Volleyball? Nothing. 10 in April, too. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm too. glad I'm on an island now. At least it's just me and Chris Brown talking about the Olympics would be Bars? cool, but no. it, didn't, it, it may have been bad. I don't for no, domestic I, I beach volleyball. No, I don't think it was. Well, I think it puts you in that cycle, which is fine. But you should be able to capitalize in the off season. Here's the all off that, season, the off four years. Yes. Yeah. Here's all the things you were talking about. You were talking about U.S. versus somebody else in the world. Out of my ten years DJing pro beach volleyball, the biggest event I ever did was my first year we did an FIVB event at the Home Depot Center, which was a fail. But that was my first year, so I didn't know any better at the time. The biggest event we did was when the U.S. took on Brazil in Glendale, Arizona. Yeah. Not only was it – it wasn't the biggest fan base we had. It wasn't like the hugest crowd. It was the most interactive crowd and the most interactive I've ever seen the players at an event also. Because not only were they all fired up to beat Brazil, like uh, Phil, Phil always said – Phil does not like Brazil, no. Brazil at all whatsoever. Um, Who does except Daniel Scott I mean, True. He likes beating them. But also, like, all the players were at the court watching that finals match and cheering louder than I've ever seen anything before. Right. And that's because it was the U.S. versus somebody, some other country. Davis not, Cup or whatever. You're not, right yeah. not going to get that excitement. And I keep saying it every year, every new owner. Oh, I want it, I want it to be as exciting as an FIVB event. <laughs> okay, we'll invite international teams. Yeah, I don't. I, That's I, part of what I've I heard be, with Donald. Is he's going to try and do that? Cool. So I was just good for say, him. I could be the greatest DJ in the world, but if the fans don't want to get into it, there's nothing that I can do to help them get into it. That's. Uh, I was just going to say what Barney said, which is you in, are the greatest DJ in the world. In the uh, thank you. In the rumors that we've heard about the formats of the AVP events, those three or four additional spots, one or two are rumored to be "quote unquote" wild card, which in my mind means you pick somebody, right? You, yeah, but who do I want? True, to but are I want a team from Brazil? I just pick some them. of those. I would guarantee you, like some of those teams from other countries aren't necessarily allowed to play here. They have to get permission. But Probably. that's also the model that Leonard is trying to put in play in the Long Beach FIVB event is to have an American side and an international side and have them going against each other. It'd be cool. And we've seen it in the past succeed in terms of following. Because he's working on that exact thing, cheer for the flag, get behind the flag. Yep. That's what powers those big events. That's what powers the Olympics. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I think we've exhausted the beach volleyball issue yet again. Good I, show I don't today. know if we had anything new to say. I, I, the more we do this, the more we talk about it. I find us talking in circles, and you could play a 2010 show and, and just change the names, much like a, a 1988 volleyball magazine. But we did, change the names. we did discuss the happenings of this week, which are the, the tours are now in direct competition. Hey. And you know yeah, what? That's interesting. That's true. 
and I want to – and they're allowed to be in competition. It's business. People are like, it's poor sportsmanship. I don't know. <laughs> no that, way. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I understand like – yeah, if you think it's better for the sport, no, maybe you shouldn't put it on top of somebody else. Yes. But I Donald agree. thinks it's better for the sport because it's what's going to win for him, and I get it. And he's yeah. allowed to do that. Yeah. What I want to see right now is how USAV responds. They don't have to respond to these tours competing with each other. They need to respond to how are we going to qualify for the Olympics. That's where their power is, and I haven't heard from them. You don't have to. I do have to because eventually, if it's not right now, they are going to be what's best for the sport. How you qualify for the Olympics? You know, qualifying for the Olympics does not need to start until a year out or it doesn't need two to start, years out. But we need to say how it's going to happen. Yeah, but uh, even that, even that, how it's going to happen? If you if you announce this is 2013, next games is 16. If you announce in the end of 14. Here's what has to happen. Here's what you have to do in 15. Here's what you have to do what if in 16. No domestic tour then. Well, they're going to have to let that shake out. That's what I'm saying. They can't even put together a plan because you can't say the AVP is involved because you don't know if they're going to be around. I, I actually think I you have to get away from the NVL and the AVP as far as a qualification goes. You know the FIVB is going to be trials. around because the FIVB, their whole thing is geared towards the Olympics. Yes, you go to trials. It's a discussion for another day, but anyone who is opposed to trials, I... I I disagree with them. I think that that's a nice way to say that. I think that the trials is another opportunity to get on NBC, get publicity out there for your sport, for your for your athletes, and that's how you're going to cross over like a Misty and Carey. You got to have those events. You got to have that opportunity for people to get pumped to watch you at the Olympics. I think that USAV can announce two years out what it will be because honestly, who's good this summer and next summer means nothing come 2016 means nothing due to injury due to situations and partner changes especially in the sport of beach volleyball it won't mean anything so if i'm usav i'm laying back waiting for it to shake out and i'm putting together a plan that's flexible but i'm putting together a plan now that's going to be debuted for this is how you qualify in 15 and early 16 do you know when the indoor teams qualify no for the months before well some but it starts out in November for in August, let's say roughly, it's about that, November to August. I think now because they've moved the, the, the tournament, it's going to be August for August or August for June. First opportunity. The last opportunity comes a month and a half out. Remember, our team this year qualified in May no, I, for an August event. I just I, I disagree with I disagree with you. Why, why do you need of. a long, drawn-out system? I don't need a long, drawn-out system. I want them to say what the qualifying is going to be for the next Olympics because – what happened this past Olympics is going to happen again. It doesn't matter what domestic is doing. You say, we're going okay. to put on two events. Dave Williams works for USAV. I, I know he knows you. how to put on events. So in 2015, beginning of 2016, we're having two trial qualifying tournaments. We'll pay IMG to put it on, whatever. That's how you're qualifying. I don't care what the other domestic tours are doing. I, uh, you, you're right in that they need to say, but I don't think they need to say now, my question to you would be the mess that happened last time. Yeah. Was that a timing issue or an issue of competing forces on what the qualification process should all, be? All of the above. It was the player saying, we want to do it this way, and then the tour went on and they're like, whoa, 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 we want to do it this way, and then USAV not having it set in stone before that all went down. I think it's a competing forces issue. I don't think it's a timing issue. I think it's a competing forces issue, and if you listen to those competing forces, you're going to have problems. That's why I think USAV has to go out on their own and say, listen, we are the governing body. We have the power. This is what it's going to be. 
That's what deal I'm saying. With so it. then what's the competing issues? But they don't have to do it in the next two they, they don't, don't have for to, another year and a half. But why don't why don't we do it now? Even two years out, because it, there's a lot to work on. What you want to let it shake out? Let what shake out? What you want to do? What the nat, what your they national said, program they looks said what like. they wanted to do last time, and it just didn't. The players weren't down with it. Okay. Yeah, I, that I, model, I think they should do it. That model is on the table. Trials. That's do what, it. Yeah. Why? That's what I'm saying. Why are we waiting? I want to interject and completely change subjects, not because of I'm not interested in this, but uh, we did I mention like earlier like today is tax day. It's also Patriots Day, which is the holiday in New England? New England, in New England, when the Boston Marathon is run. So the Boston Marathon was today. And recently, I'm just seeing reports that there were a couple explosions at the at the finish line at the Boston Marathon. Today? Just yeah. 20 minutes ago. Great. So I'm not seeing Great. anything that what happened or, or what Way is to bring, going way on. To put it all back to hey, perspective, our, which I agree. Yeah, Good our, uh, our our viewers should know. And there are some pictures on online and Twitter and whatnot, and it looks like they're on lockdown around around the Boston Marathon finish. Which, if you've ever been to Boston, the Boston Marathon finishes right downtown uh, in front of the Boston Library. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on. However, you know, local newscasts and everything are, are, are covering it and hopefully everybody's safe. You know, it's, it's, it's a, as you said, it allegedly trash cans with bombs, BJ. So it, it does look smaller. It's not like the entire area was decimated, but it's always scary when you see some of these pictures. So way to put it bad in perspective. I'm not mad at volleyball anymore. Yeah. Good. Well, great. Another chance for everyone to be scared uh, yeah. that, that this is going to happen to them and let, uh, let the, the forces that would have you give up uh, security and so on or freedom to uh, in favor of security and being safe all the time. This is a, a political show topic right here. But, yeah, obviously this is a, yet another example of crazy people in the world. So hopefully everybody out there is okay. And uh, I, I think there are some casualties being listed, some, but some I don't know. Here. Yeah, I don't know what the – I'm sure it will be hours before everything kind of gets sorted out, but that's – Wanted to make sure we were reporting on that. Awesome job, humans. Uh, crazy people. Great job. About three hours after the winners crossed the line, there was a loud explosion on the north side of the street just before the photo bridge that marks the finish line. Another explosion could be heard a few seconds later. Awesome. Just freaking awesome. So with that, Sheesh. have a great Monday. I think we'll be off next week because I won't be here. We will be off then. I know that doesn't necessarily mean we'll be able to discuss it, Kevin. I will be – I'll stick next week off, although we have playoffs going on, right? Playoffs. As we say every week, I love being here. I hope that I'm here next week, and I really hope I'm not here next week. I hope you have a job, so. and I hope you're here. Thank you. I'm going to DJ volleyball event next weekend. Where? Florida. What kind of volleyball event? Emerald Coast Volleyball Week. Right. It's actually pretty badass. Emerald Coast in Florida. I would figure that would be in Seattle where I will be. No. That would be in the Panhandle. That's the Emerald City. Hmm. No, Emerald Coast. I will Night be appearing beaches, in Seattle. Volleyball, and maybe uh, I know we have some listeners that will be at that event, so we'll see how many of them hate me by the time I get there. Can't wait. I hope people email me. I want to discuss this. I want to hear all sides of it. I've been around for 10 years. I've kind of held my opinion to myself, and today I let it go. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jeremy Roche's The Net Live. I want to thank Ryan Doherty for coming on, Brian Wynn for coming on, those that called in. Yeah, thanks for the callers. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks to everyone who's getting this via podcast. We hope we're not just recycling the same issues over and over again, but maybe we are because that's where the sport is at. Who knows? But we appreciate you listening and being a part of the Net Live. Remember, there are T-shirts still available 
And they are available on volaclothing.com. Just a couple left. Your last opportunity to pick up a NetLive t-shirt, one-of-a-kind opportunity, great t-shirt. And we will not have a show next week. Correct. We'll be on. It's not here. The equipment will not be here, and I have no idea how to play music. So we will be back in two weeks' time with a show that will preview Men's Final Four. We'll be heading towards the Men's Final Four at that point. Thanks for listening. Be good people. Oh, yeah. We're safe and sound. Yeah, Capital Cities.